What's up and welcome to the HorrorCast, episode number 140. And tonight we are kicking off our Nightmare Before Christmas series. Uh, we were actually supposed to be done this thing, I think, before Christmas, but just uh, life happens and we're just starting it. So it'll be kind of Nightmare Before Christmas and after Christmas. So yep. we are going to be talking about uh, the entire uh, series of a Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Uh, it's kind of like a an homage to Wes Craven. I can't believe we've been doing this podcast. I don't know what's it been almost seven years now. And we have not talked about any of these movies and, um, it's about time. So tonight we'll be talking about the first two, a nightmare on Elm street and a nightmare on Elm street Two: Freddy's revenge. I'm one of your hosts tonight, Mark Nado, and let's bring in Taminator. What's up Taminator. Hi, you guys. This is so nice to be doing this. I've had a rough couple of weeks, so it's fun to do something I want feel like doing, you know? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Taminator lives down in the, the uh, right where the, the tornadoes went through. And yep. uh, so thank goodness she's okay. <laughs> Just lost power and internet for a while. But she yep. is, she's back. I'm back. I got all my finals done for school, so now I can just relax and... Watch Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Yay. I'm so glad you're okay. Yes. I'm fine. But I am stronger now because I have learned I can live without internet for an entire week. Mm. That is hard to do. That is really hard to do. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's bring in Jessica. What's up, Jessica? Hey, guys. Happy to be here. This is one of my favorites. I'm really excited. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I just couldn't believe that we hadn't talked at all about these movies. So uh, I feel like that's almost um, we're, we're going to lose our horror podcast cred if we uh, if we don't do it. So, and also coming in, joining us, the wonderful Revenant Vin. What's up, Vin? Oh, wonderful! <laughs> You're you. wonderful. You are wonderful. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I'm glad to be talking about this series too. It's a lot of a lot of nostalgia for me. Um, you know, I, I like, you know, I also like Friday the 13th, but I didn't really grow up with that. I mm -hmm. came to that later. Uh, you know, Freddy's the slasher that I actually grew up with. So, um, it's, it's fun revisiting these. It's been a while since I watched a lot of them. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, I hadn't watched, uh, you know, four and five in quite a while. And there might be a reason for that, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> these two are, are definitely, um, a, a different story, I think. So, well, let's go ahead and take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to jump right into the nightmare on Elm street, the original from 1984. I was like, oh. can you play the wake up playlist? Do you like this one? Turn that up. Louder. Alice! Oh my god, what is that? Don't touch it! It's a good song. No! Stop! Stop! No. What are you doing? I know it's a great song with its catchy melody and sing-along lyrics, but we cannot play that song! It's only a song. 
I'm just gonna play it one more time. Don't! Stop! Killer songs you can't resist. Spotify. All right, we are back. Let's uh, let's talk about this. A Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, what do you guys think about? Let's just talk about Wes Craven for just a second. Uh, do you think this is his kind of like best work, or is there a Wes Craven movie that you like better? Because I'm I'm just going to go out and say I know that everybody here is going to like the first movie, and if yeah, you yeah. don't, you're you're going to be cast off of yeah, the you're booted. <laughs> Um, <laughs> do you think this is his best movie or I'm looking at like, a list of his movies right now so I can make an informed yeah, no, decision. I, I can safely say that it's definitely his best horror film. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I, th- I think scream is well directed, but he didn't write that one. Um, yeah. You know, the, the fact that he wrote and directed this and, uh, you know, he, he was hit or miss, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, when, when he was on his game, he really was on his game, but, uh, there were times when I, it's hard to tell what the hell he's thinking. Um, but yeah, this kind of hits the sweet spot, I think. With uh, the best of Craven is all in this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that uh, definitely Hills have the Hills have eyes is a really good one. Uh, even even uh, Last House on the Left, I, I watched that, and we, we had talked about doing a Craven month, and we might still do that and talk about some of his other movies because he's got a large catalog. But that first, not the remake of Last. Uh, house on the left but the original is so weird like the tone is all over the place and like you know keystone cop type music playing and parts that really serious violence right after that yeah Yeah, it was really weird (laughs) um but uh yeah this one let's let's talk about the the first movie here um this is a film that he was like i want to he was trying to create a new slasher but he wanted to wanted to set himself apart and i do see some um uh, some homages to halloween and, and certain things in here and we'll talk about that but he was trying to set himself apart and he didn't want to go with just a knife because that's what everybody that's what all slashers use just a knife so you know he came up with this thing he he, he went and he used the name of a childhood bully wasn't that wasn't that the, you know it was yeah. like the mm-hmm. freddy krueger yeah. was the kid that yeah. bullied him so, ha ha, I'm going to make your name <laughs> like synonymous <laughs> with this killer. Um, yeah. And I believe he got the idea from the way he looked from just a dude that was outside of his house when he was a kid, right? Right. Yeah. yeah it was some like hobo or something. And the guy was like, outside. the guy was trying to scare him, I think. The guy yeah. was like, <laughs> so I thought that was kind of neat. So he, he he brought all this together and. And then, uh, and I believe that there was a, uh, uh, either a magazine or a newspaper article that he read about, I don't know yeah, if it was in China. It was yeah. a couple articles, uh, in the LA times, I think, um, about was it in uh, China. Well, no, they, they were from Cambodia and Cambodia. Vietnam and everything. And they, they were in the U S I think. Um, but yeah, the, you know, suffering like sleep deprivation, trying to stay awake. And then one of yeah. them finally went to sleep and ended up like thrashing and then dying in his sleep. And they found out that he had like a coffee maker in his closet. And a lot of the stuff that we see Nancy uh, yeah. was inspired by that. Yeah. So that's cool. Drawing inspiration from lots of different places. If you're a, mm-hmm. a budding screenwriter or whatever, that's a, that's a good, uh, a good tip. 
you know, drawing from all, <laughs> all, all things. So, so, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, the first one, 1984, this one, uh, this one came out on, let me look, you guys can November see November 9th, I think, maybe? I'm looking, it doesn't even say. Are you looking for the release date? Yeah, it's no, uh, November, November 16th. November okay. 16th, 1984, and by the way, 1984 for me one of the absolute best year of movies ever ever we're talking karate kid back to the future this like craziness so yeah. good so obviously this was rated r uh, one hour and 31 minutes it, it, it moves pretty quickly um uh, directed and written by wes craven stars and this is where we get into uh you know, we'll talk about some of our likes and dislikes. Uh, the The lead in this movie is Heather Langenkamp as Nancy, Nancy Thompson, uh, Ronnie Blakely, oh yeah, as Marge Thompson, John Saxon as Lieutenant Thompson, Amanda Weiss as Tina Gray, Johnny Depp uh, making his, was this his screen debut, I believe? Yes, it was. Yeah. yeah. As, as Glenn Lance, Charles Fleischer as Dr. King. Um, Robert England, of course, as Fred Krueger, uh, a younger Lynn Shea as the mm -hmm. school teacher. Um, a lot of people don't know that her husband, uh, Robert Shea was the producer of these. Brother. Was it a brother? brother? I thought it was Yeah, I think Bob Shea's her brother. Okay. So, uh, you know, she got her part. I don't know. Probably got her part because that, uh, she was related there. Um, I'm trying to think if anybody else is worth mentioning. Probably not. Probably not. So um, let's see. Anybody want to want to give a shot at a at a good synopsis, or I can you just want me to read one? Anybody um, have one? I don't I mean, have one. I think I, I have already. one saved off of like IMDb or something. <laughs> yeah, well, I've got the IMDb one, so I'll do it. But if the, these are always. Not as great as, as you think they should be. Uh, the monstrous spirit of a slain child murderer seeks revenge by invading the dreams of teenagers whose parents were responsible for his untimely death. Huh, that's not actually bad. Yeah. That's not actually bad. Uh, it's got a 7.5 out of 10 average on IMDb, about 225,000 um, ratings. So let's go ahead and let's roll the trailer. When we get back, we're going to go around with our first impressions. All right, we're back. Um, let's go to Jessica first. Jessica, when did you first see uh, this original A Nightmare on Elm Street? I'm sure it wasn't in 1984. Um, <laughs> nope. But when did you see it and what were your first impressions? Let's see. I probably watched it when I was around like eight or nine um yeah i grew up watching this one a lot mostly with my dad actually this was like mine and my dad's franchise which was fun because most of my movie watching was actually with my mom that was like our thing um but i think that once my dad realized that my mom was getting me into like 80s horror he's like oh heck yeah i like some 80s horror too um so this one was our thing and we i remember we watched the whole franchise up until that point when i was in high school but to be honest, I like don't remember any of the other ones, but I've rewatched this first one. Like, I don't even know how many times I've watched it a lot. <laughs> Probably yeah. like once a year since I was like 10. <laughs> yeah. So it's got a little bit of nostalgia, but not because 
you saw it when it first came out. It's just because it's from your dad and with your dad, something you shared with him. Yes. So that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, Vin, when's the first time you saw this? What were your first impressions? Uh, well, the Freddy that I was most familiar with before I saw this was uh, some of the things from like the latter half of the franchise, um, especially four and five. Those are played on television quite a bit. Um, like when this movie came out, I was three. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I didn't see this one at first, uh, really. But four and five were played on television quite a bit. And like I remember part six when that came out. I remember renting that. And, um, you know, New Nightmare is the first one I actually saw in the theater. And I was like 13. Uh, so I don't know when I first saw this one. But I do I have a vague memory of watching it on my parents' television in their bedroom. Um yeah, they had like one of those like, you know, uh, TV stands that had wheels Ooh. on it, <laughs> you know, Ooh. and this little box TV on there. It might be even black and white. I'm not even sure. Uh, but I, I vaguely, you know, I mean, I not vaguely, I vividly remember um, the body bag scene. Uh, mm-hmm. That's something that really struck me. Um, but it was, you know, by the time I actually was old enough to kind of go through it the whole way through, um, I it was after I'd seen a lot of the other franchise, but I knew that it was something a little more serious, a little more mean, you know, than, uh, than the ones that I was used to. Um, and I, I definitely, uh, I definitely felt that, um, certainly. Mm. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, it, I, I was certainly oppressed. Um, and I gotta say, you know, I, even the first time I saw it, uh, the whole way through, I recognized the limitations of it. I recognized the faults, you know, every time I've watched it, I see them. Uh, but this is like the first time that I really went through and tried to watch it with a real critical eye. And I expected the film to suffer for that effort. Uh, but I actually think that, you know, it came out pretty victoriously. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I actually enjoyed it, you know, this watch more than I've enjoyed it in the past, like 20 years of rewatches. Um, you know, some things I was more critical of before, I think I've maybe softened on, uh, but nevertheless, you know, this, every watch has been a positive one. Cool. Nice. How about you, uh, Taminator? Well, this is one of the times that my age is actually going to work in my favor. I have very vivid memories of experiencing this in real time. I remember exactly the first time I saw it. Um, So I would have been 16, I guess. But I think I saw this the next year because I remember my best friend Eve, her dad owned a video store and I remember her saying oh my god I've got this movie you've got to see and growing up we had a second home in Michigan so like my parents would be gone every weekend and I had to get a job as soon as I could so about this age I was able to start staying home by myself on weekends so I went and got this movie from her and I brought it back and I made it I remember to like the long arm scene and then I noped out, <laughs> shut it off. And I mean, I, I eventually finished it, but I just remember, like, I knew I was seeing something really different and um, it just disturbed me, like, to my core, you know. And I don't think I watched it for a long time after that because I just remember being really scared by it. And then, I, like, this would be the first time I really sat down and watched this. I remember Landon went through, like, a Freddy phase, and so this was getting put on a lot. but. I actually like sat down and watched it and it's it's like even better than I remembered I think I don't know and I just I don't know I love the meanness of it and it, even though I'm a little number to some of the scary things like that body bag scene and I still don't like the long arms you know so <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I can remember that feeling 
you know, it's not as impactful now. I appreciate it for other reasons, but I can remember that feeling I had when I was like 16 and I saw this for the first time. It was different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I saw this. I do not remember seeing this at the theater. Um, I was only 12 when this came, no, 11 when this came out. So I probably was not allowed in the theater to see this. Um, of course, I saw other things like The Shining and stuff, but uh, who knows? Um, I remember seeing this on home video, and once once it came out, uh, I believe my brother bought it, and we watched it over and over again. And um, this is a movie that scared me as a kid. It just scared me. Uh, it was um, even to this day, I think it is one of the scariest like ideas and mm-hmm. executions of of a horror movie altogether now you can argue is this movie the most well-made film no it had a it had a seven hundred thousand dollar budget which they went over and went i think they put about a 1.1 million dollars into it um that's not a ton of money um and from 1984 uh but you could see like just the uh, i don't know from everything from the the music uh to the um, special effects and 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 just the the whole idea of somebody who is you can't get away from you have to sleep. Mm-hmm. I mean, Freddie and uh, Freddie and Jason, Michael and Jason, the other two big slashers. I mean, you could hopefully survive, right? Because you you could run, you could you know knock them over the head and you go or whatever. But Freddie, he's 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 in your dreams. It's almost like he's undefeatable. Um, and that we'll talk about that. Like how, how does she defeat him? Is that, is that a cop out? What, what happened there? But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I really, I remember just, uh, th- this, this is the kind of film that gave me nightmares. And by the way, love, love, love the movie poster. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Classic. Um, I, I really, we'll get into it as we go through the rest of the movies. I wish they would have kept the mean yes. Freddy or yes. the scary Freddy. Um, he kind of comes back a little bit in New Nightmare. And he he definitely in the remake, we'll talk about that because I'm like the only person on, on the planet that likes the remake. But um, I like I like serious horror movies. And th- this one is just I wouldn't I would never show this to my kid. Uh, he would. I mean, Landon. He's he's a seasoned <laughs> horror vet yeah. already. My kid would not sleep for years if I showed yeah. him this, uh, because it does still hold up. It really does. Yeah, um, I yeah. think I showed this one to Raina when she was like twelve or thirteen. I think was the first time I showed her, and she rewatched yeah. it with me again. And now that she's almost 17 she's like oh my god johnny depp is so dreamy and now she's like going through johnny depp's whole filmography mm-hmm. <laughs> and the only way that johnny depp got the job it was wes craven's daughter right yeah because she thought her, he was dreamy <laughs> she thought he was dreamy wes craven and i quote thought he was uh sickly <laughs> and skinny or something yeah. and i was like that's a good judge of a <laughs> <laughs> of a good-looking guy or whatever. That's funny. Yeah, but uh, okay. So let's let's go around. Just just come on in. What what are some of your 
your thoughts uh, or your or your uh, likes about this movie. I'm sure there'll be plenty. Yeah, I mean, this, I guess, would kind of go along with my first impressions. But, uh, you know, something else that I remember from being a kid is before I even watched it, like kids were always talking about it, you know, and that was, you know, 10, 15 years later than when it came out. Um, and I heard all the kids chanting the one, two, Freddy's coming for like that was all over my elementary school. So it was kind of like I always knew about him growing up already before I even saw it. And I knew that he murdered children and I was a child. So that was like totally freaky, but yeah, fascinating yeah. to me. <laughs> I think one of the things that people, if they didn't grow up during the time period, might not appreciate is what a huge pop icon he became. You yeah. know, I mean, he there were like children's products with him, lunch boxes. Um, I think I remember it was around when Freddy's Dead came out. Uh, they had advertisements for it. And my, my father's like a, a manager at a grocery store. And um, I remember the grocery store had a big life size cutout of Freddy, you know, just right mm -hmm. there on display. And there was like the, a foam hat and a plastic glove. And, you know, after they took on the display, I got that stuff. It was like cheap Halloween product, product you yeah. know, prop yeah. stuff, basically. Um, but you think about that. I mean, you you had Freddy Krueger standing in the middle of a grocery store. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. that's why he, he just kind of permeated culture. And every kid knew who he was, even if they never saw the movies. Um, and they did put, replay those movies a lot on television. Because I know I grew up, especially with, uh, like I said, four and five, I saw a lot. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that one of the things that maybe people kind of captured with him, I, the fact that he did talk, right? I mean, Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees didn't talk. Um, you know, he did become wisecracking. But I think that still kind of kept in his character because he's a bully. You know, mm -hmm. like, it's not about the kill for him. It's about torturing them beforehand. You know, he likes the game. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's one of the why, why he's the most satisfying one to see get taken out you know? yeah. when you have when you have like a you know excuse me a cool like final girl take him out i think there's a, a certain catharsis mm -hmm. with that mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean it, it, you can't underestimate you know uh how much people grew up knowing about him um yeah and even if they hadn't seen the movies well i, I mean i lived through it and and i will tell you that he, he was everywhere they they came out with it was this was big and then the second one was was a, it was okay. It was the third one, uh, which we'll talk about, Dream Warriors, that really put this into the stratosphere that was pro probably by far the most popular uh, film. And if you go to a lot of horror fans, they're going to say that Dream Warriors is their favorite of the of the of the bunch. Um, yeah. But because he had he had he was in the video Dream Warriors for Dokken, you know, so he was all over MTV. They came out with the. Uh, I don't know if it was the late 80s or early 90s where they came out with the Freddy's Nightmares TV show. Yeah. Um, that was the one. And yeah. and he was like the host. You know. Mm -hmm. and just, and like, it was weird. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> yeah. I remember, um, remember when uh, the Fresh Prince had the song Nightmare on My Street. I mean, it was just all over pop culture. And uh, yeah, that that's what that's the only thing that I really, you know, when that happens and you kind of, it, it reminds me of kiss. Um, when kiss first came out, they were like really anti, uh, establishment. Everybody was like, Oh, the, the Knights in Satan service and, and kisses is, is this and that, whatever. And they're the, the, um, 
the band that if you're on the fringes of society, that's what you're what you're into. Mm-hmm. Well, by the time they came out with the Kiss lunchboxes and Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park and 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 they started doing a disco song and kids started going to their concerts, they weren't scary or or whatever anymore. They were just like, you know, and that's kind of the same thing with Freddie. Um after the third one, I don't I don't find him really scary anymore uh, right. because he does still give some wisecracks in this one, mm-hmm. but they're few and far between, and they're and they're meaner, you know. Um, but one of the one of the things that I'm going to bring up that I, that I like about this film is Robert Englund, and he is the the thread that goes through all of these films, except for of course the the remake. Um, and by the way, I, I think if they would have picked him for the remake, he still would have done a fantastic job. I mean, he would have had the makeup. You wouldn't have been able to tell he was older, but he is, uh, he's the star, even though we've got Heather Langenkamp and, and Saxon and, and all that. He's the star of the movie. He, mm-hmm. he does a really good job of, of playing Freddie, giving Freddie his own personality, um, and he, and he's very uh, he's very physical too. Like even it was it's it's almost like goofy and but in a scary way. Like there's long arms, mm-hmm. um, which they don't look real. Come on, they look like no, they're all they stuff. Were yeah, but then yeah, it's after, just like not right. Yeah, right. And after Tina sees that and runs, and he starts chasing her, he looks like somebody like from Planet of the Apes. You just kind of, you know, um, lumbering. I yes. was, um, I actually watched the kill count for that right before we got on, just as looking at different things for the Nightmare on Elm Street um, franchise. And he was saying that it looked like a drunk uncle chasing after his niece or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah. But, but what you said is it, it was unnatural. Yes. And that, that's the whole thing with the dream world. It's anything yeah. can happen, anything can exist. And, it doesn't have to look all 100% real because it's it's a dream. I will um, even say that scene where he's kind of like, you know, lumbering after her. Um, that's the scene where she bumps into Robert England, though, right? As she keeps going. So yes. I don't think that's actually Robert England who's doing that lumbering movement. You know, it's you can tell sometimes when it's stunt doubles. <laughs> you think it was? <laughs> I, think, I think it was. Oh. It's, it's all it one scene of Tina running. Yeah, but you know, it, it cuts. Mean, it cuts. It cuts away from her. I mean, it cuts away from him. Uh, I believe. I'm not. I'm not sure. I have to look at that again. Yeah. But, I, I thought the camera just stayed with her. But whoever, whoever did it, did a good job of emulating. I think the movements of Robert Englund, because I think that's kind of how he moved a lot of the time. Uh, you know, jumping out at people. Ah, you know that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, but he, he's. I, I met him one time at a, a convention, and he's. He's a great guy. He's a nice guy. Um, and he has, I guess, embraced the fact that he's, he's forever Freddie, you yeah. know, uh, and he's good with the fans. Um, he, he's like, kind of like the anti Tom Savini, uh, Tom Savini. Usually I, I hear people say, you know, not, not that Tom Savini's an actor, but you know, he's a, a horror icon and mm-hmm. I'd say seven out of 10 people that meet him say he's a complete, but the other three no. say, oh, he's great. Everybody that meets Robert Englund, you know, knows yeah. that he's a, he's a, he's a nice guy. 
talented guy. So, I love hearing him in interviews because it's like he pays so much respect to the character and the concept and Wes Craven and the genre and everything, you know, and he talks about it in such like a charismatic, but also like informed way, you know, and it's like, you know, he's answered all these questions a thousand times and he still answers it. Like it's the first time that he's ever heard that question. Um, So I really enjoy, you know, when they're putting out all these shows all over Netflix and shutter, about behind the monsters or the movies that made us and stuff like, and even just other interviews I see him in, he's just always, he seems like a total class act. Yep. He knows what side his bread is buttered on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His, oh, he knows what, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And some, some horror icons don't. They do. Yeah. They're, mm-hmm. they're ashamed and they're like, Oh, I just did this because, you know, yeah. I, I, I feel like Jamie Lee Curtis was that for a long time. Uh, until yeah. she kind of came back, um, maybe she needed money. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But um, I think yeah. a lot of actors too kind of get caught off guard as to like how passionate um, the horror community is about horror films. You know, because I don't think there's really another genre that inspires that kind of love and devotion. Um, so you know, whenever people aren't like also horror fans themselves, and they end up finding themselves in this world. I think they're really like, whoa, this is awesome. (laughs) You know, so you can embrace it or you could uh, try and fight it, which wouldn't be smart, in my opinion. You know, I don't I don't agree with you. Uh, I also went just this past week to the drama con. And it was great. Just a lot. No, just kidding. <laughs> There's no drama con. Come on. That's all. Tammy's face. <laughs> we all sat around and talked about Downton Abbey. And, oh, my God. Um, no. I'm sure there's probably Downton Abbey conventions. I guarantee you there is. You know those but, people are crazy. <laughs> yes. I like Downton Abbey. But I'm not I going love to, Downton I, Abbey. I'm not going to a convention. Okay? No, it's not going to happen. Um, what are some other things that, that we like? I got another one right on the tip of my tongue, but I don't want to say... Go. I'll go. go ahead. I think something that really, really works about Freddie, and I think it's probably the first time that we saw it, is he, you kind of touched on, you know, he can come into your dreams, but he also invades your most sanctified spaces. Like, he comes into your school. You, I just took for granted, you know, when I was growing up, and this is before school shootings and all that, but school was totally safe. Your home is safe. Your bedroom is safe, you know, and then you start here's this guy that dares to come into all those sanctified spaces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it, and those people who are, you would think are there to protect you. You know, your dad's a cop, your mom's sleeping in the next room, you know, your teacher and your, and your fellow students, they can't help you. No, they we can't. learn at the end of this one, he can get your parents too. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's one of the reasons that this is so impactful, especially to teenagers, um, is that, you know, that's kind of the age where you learn that your parents don't really know everything. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe their decisions actually aren't the best for you sometimes. Uh, you know, there, there's a real theme here of like, you know, the sins of the father will be visited upon the next generation. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I think that I think a lot of it is a large reaction to uh, to the Cold War. Um you see a lot of this kind of theme coming about after, you know, once Reagan enters office, you kind of get the cold war getting ramped up again. Um, you know, the nuclear proliferation and, uh, threats back and forth. But I mean, you've got like, look at the songs that were coming out with like a, 
99 red balloons, <laughs> you know, or like forever young. Uh, you got movies like war games, but you have all these things where it's like teenagers not thinking that they're going to live to adulthood because of mistakes their parents make. Um, you oh. know, this kind of apocalyptic feel that like, you know, you see it in return of the living dead too, which I think that came out the same year as this. I think have, return of the living dead might've been 86, maybe 85. I don't know. Maybe 85, 85. Yeah. Um, but you have that same kind of theme. You have teenagers basically dying from nuclear Holocaust. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it, it it's, it, it's yeah. a theme that I think really resonated with people, uh, especially at that time. But over and over again in these movies, you have parents helpless to stop their kids. And they think they're helping their kids, but they're not. They're basically killing them. Yeah. Um, you, you, probably don't remember, you probably don't remember because you're not old enough. Tammy might remember the big thing that was, uh, this is going on the same thing you're talking about, Vin. Do you remember that big miniseries or that movie called The Day After? Oh yeah. oh yeah! Oh yeah! I was, was like, let me watch yeah. it. Yeah, because it's all about nuclear war, and we're all gonna die. You know, it, yeah. yeah that, that's that the movie like that, that scared. That's the movie that scared Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After Reagan saw that movie, he started thinking, well, maybe we should actually start bringing these things down a number. Um, but it took that yeah. movie to do it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I think all that draws on the same kind of fear, especially in teenagers. You know, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna live to twenty, and uh, it has nothing to do with something I did. You know, my parents screwed up the world. Um, and now it's, I have to pay for it. It's very well, just true. like, uh, go ahead, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, it's very true. I mean, I remember growing up and it wasn't a matter of if it was when, mm-hmm. like when yeah. were these bombs going to come? They were coming. It was just, when were they going to come? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The tent, the tension was, was there, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's just like Nancy said, Oh, I look like I'm 20. Yeah. <laughs> she was what? 20 at the time which is great it's a great line is 20 supposed to be old i, I don't know, know. <laughs> that's funny and she was actually like 20 at that time wasn't she yeah. i think she was like 19 or 20 yeah um I- i'm just gonna say apart from I- i'm gonna say that as far as horror movie scores go uh You've got Halloween, I think you've got The Exorcist, and then I say A Nightmare on Elm Street, because this whole da-da-da type thing, and if you add in there that little that little jump rope rhyme, that's freaking creepy. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just when you hear that Michael Myers music, the same thing occurs with me when I hear this music. It, it it creeps me out um and and i think that it i don't know who um let me i'm going to look i'm going to see who did it it's a it's charles bernstein yeah it was it was so good like just and, just disjointed enough to kind of yeah yeah it's almost like expectations. that yeah. that creepy nursery rhyme or yeah. nursery mm-hmm. type of thing mm-hmm. yeah uh i'm definitely uh, i'm looking here uh he's still living um, he did the composing for Cujo and the Entity. Mm-hmm. I don't remember those, but I certainly do remember this one. <laughs> so yeah, uh, def- it's definitely complementary to just like the dreamlike state of everything. Yes, mm-hmm. and and it just makes me feel like um, uh, unsettled. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it really it is like a dark lullaby. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. Uh, I, that's 100% a perfect way to put it. Go to, it is. Go to bat for, for this. 
you know, 100%. I think, uh, um, what else we got? What What's some other good stuff? I know there's more. Well, I mean, let's start. I mean, I think, you know, if we kind of go to the beginning of the film with Tina, um, yeah, I think that she's a, she's a great kind of character, a great first victim for us. Is uh, this a psycho thing? Well, I mean, that's part of it, I think. I mean, she, you know, it has to do with expectations, but I mean, she is the first to get really suspicious about what's going on. Um, you know, I, I think by the time that that she's killed, we've kind of accepted her, you know, of course, as a character, we'd like to have around. Um, I think that she's also sympathetic, you know, like she seems to have a rough life, you know, like yeah. a, a mother who kind of gets pulled from her by like a boyfriend, you know, Rod is clearly like a, a toxic boyfriend. Um, but, you know, Tina might be drawn to kind of controlling guys like the men her mother dates. Um, I think that, you know, she's a character that we like, but that we worry for. Um, you know, I, I, I do think that she is a really good, sympathetic character to put us with at first. And then the way that she's taken out is just absolutely epic. Um, you know, I remember the first time I saw that, I just, it just blew my mind what was going yeah. on. Uh, it's just, you know, you're talking about basically the first like 10 minutes of the movie. And it's an awesome 10 minutes. Yeah. But yeah. I think that they, they pull that psycho thing. Nobody here was a, was a real known actor. I right. mean, John Saxon, you know, but no one's coming to the movie to see John Saxon. These are all a bunch of unknowns. But Tina uh, is also played by an actress who is much more of like a traditional Hollywood beauty. Yeah. You know, she's the blonde. She played like the mean girl in Better Off Dead sort of, you yeah. know. <laughs> um, so yeah. she's kind of the one that we would typically expect to be our yeah, main so protagonist. Y- but from you the know? beginning, is it yeah. isn't like the very beginning, besides for you know the part where they where they show Freddie making his gloves, gloves. Yeah, is Tina, and you it's think you think yeah. she is the main character. Well, he does and that again later with Scream with Drew Barrymore, yeah. where you bring in the the good the blonde Hollywood more you know mainstream. Yeah. You think okay, you're settling. This is going to be our protagonist. This is yeah. who I need to settle in with, and then boom, she's gone. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's most definitely uh, an homage to Psycho, for for sure. Mm-hmm. But and that's um, also why I think Nancy makes a pretty good protagonist because she is so not the traditional, yeah, Hollywood type. Yeah, you know, he's a great contrast to all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. and him like wanting that specifically for this role, just kind of makes it like everything about Wes Craven is so special to me, you know, like all those little personal things that he brought in from his real life to help like flesh out this world and create this story. I feel like that's the kind of thing that like pushes storytelling to the next level. It makes it feel more like grounded and real, even when it's a movie, like in a dream state, you know, because he takes the time to put that kind of thought into it. Um, and him specifically wanting a girl who wasn't the typical Hollywood, you know, blonde bombshell, mm-hmm. but had like intriguing characteristics of her own, you know, that yeah. would portray like bravery and come off like in the way that he would want his heroine to come off. Um, I just yeah. love that. And I think she's great. Yeah. And this Nancy's is the more final girl. Yeah. It, yeah. Is this anything to do with like the virginal? you know, kind of quality that, that Nancy comes off as, you know, cause obviously, you know, she has a chance to, to be with Johnny Depp Remember, morality sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great um, you know, and she's not that, that kind of girl, she's not going to do that. So, uh, are we looking here like, as Tina was the, was the, uh, you know, more, um, fast, 
promiscuous. <laughs> young lady, promiscuous lady. And so she gets, you know, taken out, but, but Heather Langenkamp has this kind of like virginal quality. And maybe that's a, like a, I don't know. I don't know if he was going for that or not. Was that, this was kind of a trope by then, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I think that you could interpret Nancy that way. I think that she doesn't necessarily come off as virginal to me. I think she's more like, this is not the time and place. Right. That's what I <laughs> was going to say. Is like, to me, it seemed yeah. more just like circumstantial. Like she stays yeah. focused on yeah. what she needs to get done. Like, if she wasn't worrying about Tina, then she probably would have. Or if she wasn't trying to kill a guy in her dreams, <laughs> she'd probably be yeah. doing stuff with Glenn. Yeah. Um, well, we learned in the second one, which we don't yeah. know at this point, that in her diary, she was writing lusty thoughts so yeah, yeah. <laughs> she says he's uh so um what was it like sleek, sleek and and i don't know whatever it makes me want to come to him yeah you know? I don't know. <laughs> like, oh boy yeah but um let's see what what else uh, I, the cool little details like um i don't know if this is 100 percent true or not whether this actual fact is true, but I know that he had read that the colors red and green, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I guess are like really, they, they, they like give you like a, your retina or something. Like yeah. I don't know what it is. They, they're those two they're upsetting together. or what? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why Robert England's, that's why Freddie's sweater is red and green stripe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like a um, Scientific American article or something that he read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did take, um, I took color theory. You know, when I was like taking art classes and they are complementary colors and they do like mess with your eyes more than the other complementary colors. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of neat. And I do want to mention that this film, uh, again, I I said it was one point one million dollars that they made it for. It was a few hundred thousand dollars over budget. This thing, the first run in the theaters, uh, made it'll be fifty-eight million dollars. So this thing, this thing saved New Line Cinema. Uh, yeah. New Line Cinema was was pretty much on the verge of going out, and it became kind of known as uh, the house that Freddie built. Uh, <laughs> um, that's such an awesome story. I love it. Yeah, uh, I mean, to think that's the company that would go on to make Lord of the Rings. Yep, you know that's a <laughs> hell of a journey. Yes. Yeah. It's pretty cool though. It's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, it, it's, uh, it shows you the power of, of horror. Yeah. The power of horror. Something that was made on a, on a really slim budget mm-hmm. going and making 50, 55 times its budget back. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, they believed in the project, um, yeah. which is so cool. And I'm so glad that they did. Cause what if we didn't have a nightmare on Elm street? That would suck. <laughs> That would suck. Um, what do you guys think about the uh, uh, the rest of the characters, the supporting cast? I mean, we we talked about Tina. I think she was, I think she was a good actress. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think she did a good job. Yeah, yeah, for what we get of her, then we even get her in the body bag scene. Which Vin, you mentioned it that that one will yeah. stay with you. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. yeah, that one stays with the fact that it was a clear. Body yeah. bag, so you yeah. can That's see my favorite her in there. image still out of all these yeah. movies. I, I that one's burned into my brain. 
Yeah. Um, I just yeah. remember seeing that one at a young age. I, you know, I, I remember that. I, I, there's parts of that night that I remember vividly. I don't think I saw the whole movie, but I saw, you know, some of the film in my parents' room and they were downstairs. I was alone in the room, you know, <laughs> but I and remember going scared. into my, <laughs> yeah. And I remember going to my room the next, you know, afterwards um, and their bedroom light was on and I could see like the, the light shining against the hallway wall. And I just kept picturing Freddie's silhouette. You know, <laughs> there's something about that very recognizable silhouette with the claws and the way that he stands and the hat. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know I, I, I didn't have like nightmares afterwards or anything like that. But I just remember like looking at that, looking at that wall and just kept thinking I kept seeing that shadow from the corner of my eye. Um, uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> I love that scene, too, especially when she's just lying there in the hallway and then all of a sudden her legs go up and yeah. her hand yeah. drags behind her. It's yeah. Like, Oh, the, so, the unknown thing okay. dragging her, you yes. know, uh, that looks great. And I think w- what's really cool about the fact that they're dreams is, you know, there's always that old dumb horror trope where people just walking towards danger. But mm-hmm. when it's a dream, you kind of understand it. You know, you don't yeah. necessarily follow logic. Um, you know, it, you do kind of weird things in dreams. Uh, so her following this thing is totally in keeping with that. Um, you can get away with <laughs> actions like that rather than her screaming and running out of the room. Um, right. Here's, yeah. here's, here's one I want to talk about uh, with the homage to Halloween. Did you get that homage in, right there in the classroom? Think uh, about it. Did that have to do with the reading? Yeah, think about it. Yeah, like when in she looks Halloween, out the window and sees Michael Myers. and You've got, yeah, you've got Jamie Lee Curtis sitting there in the classroom and there's like a monologue or uh, something being read uh, by the teacher that's kind of like in the background and she's kind of daydreaming and whatever and she sees michael myers well in the same same camp you know um nancy is sitting there the teacher lynn shea is is talking or or reading some sort of monologue or whatever did you even know what it's about you know what i did not make note of that yeah, it was, uh, you mean the monologue? Well, the monologue, because the teacher was saying something, they were, and then the, they were reading the, Shakespeare. The, the fellow students stood up and started to read. Yeah, and, I, th- I think I think he was reading from Julius Caesar, and Caesar was talking about, like, having dreams about his death, basically. Like, you know, yeah. ill portents that he would have dreams about his assassination or something. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I think it's like a, a Caesar monologue that he's reading or something in that so scene. So a little bit of a foreshadowing. Uh, oh, yeah. And the same thing. So I, I see that as a... Halloween kind of uh, uh, homage there. Maybe he wasn't going for that, but uh, I totally. That's what I looked, at, and that's what I'm gonna. I'm gonna say, take it to my grave. It was a. It was a. Uh, <laughs> so. I, I want to see it now that you've said it. Yeah. 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 Connect those dots, but it's not like that far fetched that he would do that because they all kind of do that with each other, right? Like mm-hmm. him and Sam Raimi have done that before. Um, so I could totally yeah. see that. I just wanted um, to just start too um, when when uh you know Tammy was saying things about um the the safe spaces um how Freddie is continually continuously invading those or violating those and you got the bathtub scene mm-hmm. uh, that you know is not only like obviously frightening and vulnerable but it's just so the composition of that shot Sexual. is so iconic you know <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but I I love that scene and like I I've heard some people criticize Heather Langenkamp in this film um. I, I actually think she does a really good job in this film. I think in three, she comes off as more wooden, uh, but I think she does a good job in this. And I love Nancy's lines in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like when her mother is like knocking on the door, you know, and 
<laughs> he's like, I'm gonna make you some warm milk. You know, she's like, warm milk, gross. You know, she's like, <laughs> she's just got those great lines. Uh, yeah. I, I just, I really love the character. Um, I, I think there's some great humor in this film. Uh, you mentioned some of them. One of my favorites is when she's on the phone with Glenn, and she's talking about what she's gonna be doing. You know, to bring him out. And she's uh -huh. like, you know, I bring the guy out, you whack the effer, and we got him. <laughs> He's like, yeah. are you crazy? Hit him with what? She's like, you're you're the jock. You have a baseball bat or something. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Just the way she talks, where she yells at the cop from her window. Yeah, you ain't gonna get my dad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, just I I just I, I love I love the writing of Nancy inside this film. Yeah, I really love Nancy, and I love that we have this strong, brave female protagonist. As mm -hmm. our lead, um, I will say that some of the like delivery of her lines feels kind of like weird and slow, like forcefully slow sometimes. And so it kind of comes off a little cheesy, but I don't hate it, you know, and well, I still feel like it really goes on. She's with her tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think that's part of it is that she's coming off as very tired, I think, as it goes. Um, because I was I was purposely looking for that this time when I watched it. I'm like, okay, I've heard people sometimes say that she's not good in this one. I'm really gonna watch her performance this time. And I actually mm -hmm. I came away liking it more this yeah. time around. Uh I, I don't, than any other I, time. I don't by any means think it's like phenomenal acting. No, I think no. it's <laughs> I think it's I think it's decent. Yeah. Um I think it's decent and and kind of believable because she's supposed to be a, you know, they say on the on the radio uh, or the the TV that Tina was fifteen. I know that seems too young, honestly. Yeah, for that it does scene. seem too too young. <laughs> so you're thinking Nancy is probably fifteen too. Yeah, or um, supposed to be. So I I can understand that. Yeah, there's some of the delivery was a little wooden in here, but you know they're mm -hmm. they're not they didn't go for like some really known star you know so this is probably one of her first movies as well right um, i think she basically only really did tv other than yeah. nightmare on elm street anyways and by the way if, uh, if, if, if you watch carefully you'll see her in some uh, growing pains episodes that's right mm -hmm. oh really well, yeah well then and after that that got spun off to just the ten of us which yes. has actually a lot of connections to nightmare on elm street yeah. Oh. Uh, quite a few of the actresses in that show were in the franchise. Yeah, um, the dad was the basketball I, I, coach. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You got one girl who was in part two. You got another one that's in part four. Uh, but um, I remember, you know, I kind of had a celebrity crush on the redhead in that show <laughs> when mm -hmm. I was growing up. So I used to watch it a lot. But uh, you know, I, I remember actually had a Lane Camp being pretty good in it. Uh, she played like yeah. the character Marie, who was like the you know nerdy to be a nun or something, and uh. But she actually had really good comedic timing in that show. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she sometimes she's really good. Uh, like I said, I think she's much more wooden in part three. But yeah. Um, going into more the the cast. Uh, let, let's face it, uh, Ronnie. What's her name? Blakely. Um, Blakely, who I believe won an Oscar uh, earlier. Huh? <laughs> Not for this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, earlier in her career for, I believe it was Nashville or something. I forget what it was. Don't, don't quote me on that. She's horrible in this movie. And you think she's horrible? I, I think that she's trying to play somebody who's always drunk. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, you know what? I think I, 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 pu I puzzled about the mother for years yeah. and I think I might've figured out an angle to watch her from. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And maybe what the actress is going know. for. 
Okay. Um, I think later on she you see her as a drunk, but I don't think that's what's going on at the first time uh, when we first see her. I think that she's a character that revels in being her daughter's protector. Like mm-hmm. she not only takes pride in it, but celebrates it with like these dramatic flourishes. Like, you know, yeah. I'm gonna do more, I'm gonna go get her help, you know. Um, <laughs> like she's ready to like swoop in like a caped hero to save her, like always going into the daughter's bedroom, or you know, um, like you wonder how much okay. is about Nancy and how much is about the mother's self-perception. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that the actress comes off as odd because her eyes are so expressionless. Like mm-hmm. she maintains the same stare. Like when she's in the basement telling Nancy about Freddie, like Nancy's eyes are reacting to things that she's saying. And the mother just yeah. has this dead blinking, unblinking stare <laughs> that she's giving her the entire time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. she just comes off as very odd, but I think that's maybe what the character was going for is like, she's somebody who like really is into protecting her daughter. Like Wait, more than I just motherly. On that. I have a, <laughs> okay, I have a cool theory. Okay. And the reason that she's so dead inside and why the parents are separated and why the dad throws himself into his work is because that one, they had a child before Nancy and that ch- child was killed by one of the kids that was killed by Freddie. They don't really say that, but that's just kind of like, um, yeah, one no, way I to believe that too. That was like a cut scene or something, right? Well, well she says that, that Fred Krueger killed 20 kids. In and one they, town. Like, that's a that's a heck of a lot of kids yes. in one town. And yes. mostly on Elm Street. Yes. Yeah. Actually, and these teens didn't know anything about this. Yeah. Right. yeah. I really like Marge. I didn't think that her acting was bad, but I was just kind of seeing her as somebody who's like kind of drunk, but still trying to not be like a complete drunk. You know what I mean? And yeah, like obviously they have some trauma from like killing Fred and yeah. also having all those children killed. And then one of them's her kid. So I kind of, I liked the way that they portrayed her character as being this kind of multifaceted, you know, person and not just like a straight up drunk mom. Um, mother. Yeah. But I yeah. really like the scene where she's talking to Nancy and she's telling her like, I run away from things, you run towards them. Like, I feel like that conversation kind of explains her character a little more and gives her a little yeah, more depth. I, think I, I know what she's going for. I do know what yeah. she's going for. I, I, to me, just some of the delivery of the lines were just a little too stilted. Yeah. I find and, her off. Yeah. 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 Uh, it, not enough to like make me like all oh, this movie. I just can't, you know, because uh, I've seen a lot worse acting in a lot of horror movies. Okay, mm-hmm. um, there's just something about her that that annoys me. Um, John Saxon is just kind of dis- a dismissive jerk. He's, he's kind of annoying uh, to his me. Face makes me happy though. I like. Yeah, that. His face <laughs> makes me happy as much as Karen Gilliam's makes yeah. you want to punch it. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Saxon he just was, has he was, amazing screen presence. Yes. Yeah, you know, yes. I love his face. He just, yeah. He's just got screen charisma, no matter what yep. he's doing. Yeah, but he doesn't have a ton to do here. No, he's he's not in this one a ton. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he is he's the cop, but he's we don't spend a whole lot of time with him. Yeah. This, 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 this is this is this is a background character in here. This is the teens movie. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. the yeah. teens and Freddie. That that's that's what this is, uh, and and I like that. I like that. And also, how nice is it that we have a teen movie where like their parents actually exist? 
yeah. in the movie and they're like around. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and they're not at all these parties that, by the way, never happened when I was in high school. Where <laughs> right. You know, there, there's, there's, uh, everyone's like on drugs and, you know, I, you know how they, they <laughs> yeah. show stuff in movies that's well, supposed like, to be like, 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 that's why I liked Nancy's writing. Cause she felt like a real teenager. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like at certain points she's really smart and clever, and other times she sounds like she's a teen. <laughs> yeah. She she plays she reminds you that she's young. <laughs> she plays an exasperated fifteen-year-old very well. Yeah, <laughs> and I also like. This sounds kind of uh, nominal, but like the the costuming, it was just very everyday teen. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they just said, "Hey, Heather, just wear your own clothes." Yeah. That looked like, I mean, I was her, I was this age at that time. I would have been yeah. 16 about, that's what everybody looked like. I mean, can you, I mean, I've seen these movies and TV shows that try to come across as like they're, they're in the eighties and, and it's always like the, Fake the over the top. Yeah. The extreme like, version. Yeah. yeah. Like we were yeah. always wearing like Michael Jackson gloves or something. Yeah. Uh, that, that's yeah. not the way it was. It was very. Well, I mean, that's what I wore, but I'm, you know, oh, not yes. just... Michael Jackson glove uh, and one of those, you know, like like the guy from Wedding Singer, you know, yeah. with the Michael Jackson jacket, with the sequins and all that. But it, it, it was convincing in that way for me. And the same thing with guys. You know, what's, what's Johnny Depp wearing? What's Glenn wearing? A t-shirt and jeans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's what he's wearing. That's what he's gonna, you know. And I think that it was it was kind of funny. You know, he was he was in bed and he was watching that little black and white TV. Mm-hmm. And what was the little thing he said to his mom, Miss Nude America? Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna hear what she says if you yeah. And she's like, she we won't be able to hear you. You're not gonna need to. Who cares? Who cares what <laughs> Again, but, great dialogue. I love the teen dialogue in this. Yeah, it was yeah. good. And it felt it felt you know, it felt real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I think that that makes you actually like these characters. They're yeah. not obnoxious yeah. teens. You know, they're they're likable. They feel real. And, you know, I, a little humor goes a long way in having a viewer actually care about yeah. these characters. You know, yeah. really, I think Craven's script just kind of peppers it in at right at the right moments. Um, yeah. Totally. Yeah. But I, I think Johnny Depp, again, he doesn't have you know tons and tons and tons of screen time but i think you can see that he's pretty charismatic really mm-hmm. good looking guy and, and and your eyes are on him when he's on the screen and his delivery is very you know um right on point and kind of very teenagery like he fit the role very well. <laughs> i don't know how old he yeah. he had to and, been in his 20s and and like a teenager like i said with the writing here is that I think that he's well-intentioned, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> he's somebody who kind of wants to help, but then like kind of lets his own needs get in the way, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of like a teenager does. Uh, yeah, totally. You know, he's, he's not 100% dependable, not because he doesn't really care. It's just, you know, he, he's a teen. He kind of forgets and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and 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 does, he really, does he really believe yeah, right. Nancy? You know, probably not. Right. He's yeah. like, eh, she's kind of going crazy. She needs to get some sleep or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. I think that he probably tried to stay awake, you know, when she told him to, but of course he doesn't. Yeah. Uh, of course he, he falls asleep Ice. before he can come back over to her house. And <laughs> well, well, let's talk real quick about the special effects in the movie. Uh, you already mentioned Vin Tina's death. Yeah. And with her being drug up, 
on the ceiling. That's spinning room. Yeah. That is absolutely horrific. horrific. Yep. It, Cause it yeah. looked a hundred percent real. Yeah. The way it the blood not splashes on Rod oh, or whatever yeah. after she drops to the bed. Yes. Yeah. yeah her oh. screaming. Yeah. When her head smacks into Rod, though, that's so funny. My daughter and I just started busting up for half a second. <laughs> and he like falls in the corner. Ooh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then again, the other you said how they did that was they built like a rotating room. Yeah. yeah. Right. And and I mean, that is so ingenious. Yeah. Amanda yeah. Wiss is always on the ground. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> they just yes. keep you know keep spinning the room around. Yeah. Um, it, these basic and that's that's kind of how they were also doing depth death, uh, in certain yeah. ways. But I know that they that one messed up because the um the blood got into like the electrical, so it yeah, like electrified things, and like it got all crazy. And uh, you know, there's like the I think it's actually a really cool shot where you see all the blood like shifting across the ceiling. Yeah, but that's that wasn't meant to do that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but it ended up looking pretty cool. It was just because they were actually like losing control of the contraption. Yeah. Um, was it supposed you know, to just like splatter all around? Yeah, yeah, and like I think that it, the electrical basically kept it, stopped it from spinning where it was supposed to, or something like that. Uh, so they were like stuck like upside down for you know twenty minutes or something like that, if I remember correctly. Yeah, <laughs> um, well, I, well, they can unhook everything. <laughs> that's one of my favorite scenes. That's oh, it's fantastic. Iconic. Oh, so that, good. That. I know when we're watching um, Tina's death. I was like, oh, this is like one of my favorite kills ever. This is the best. And then when you get to Glenn's death, I'm like, no, this is the best. <laughs> yeah. I love the kills yeah. in this for, so much. For like Except for Rod's boring. <laughs> for a slasher film, there's only a couple kills in here. It's not that many, but they're memorable. Yeah. yeah. You know? I mean, Rod's is the one that's the least memorable. Uh, right. But still, when you've, got, when you've got Tina and you've got Johnny and they they're just so unbelievably well done. Um, you know, he, he really goes for the gusto in that. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and I, th I think they do a terrific job with the dreams in this. Mm -hmm. um, the dreams are creepy and they're just kind of yeah. off putting enough. Mm -hmm. And I like how they incorporate certain things. Like I love when, you know, when Nancy asks, uh, asks uh, Glenn to like watch her while she's sleeping. And you see her walking down the street, and she's like, Glenn, are you still watching? And you see him yeah. like come out from behind the bush. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> so, you know. And then he goes back in. But, you know, the way that people incorporate things into their dreams that they're hearing, you know, yeah. it's cool that it's cool that we have those little touches in there. Yeah. Um, just like having like a sheep like run by in the hallway or, you know, it, it's weird yeah. things like that. Uh, they're just weird enough. Um, yeah. And just creepy Some, enough. Sometimes dream sequences are like too much. Like they're just trying yeah. too hard to make it super weird. And really most of your dreams aren't that weird. They're more yeah. like kind of believable, but just kind of off. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. You just don't well, recognize they say, that they're weird during the dream. They say <laughs> yeah. that they say that most of your dream, you, you might have like six or seven dreams all throughout yeah, the not night that long. and you don't, yeah. and you can't remember what goes where. And yeah. a lot of times that's why it, it seems so weird is because well, it's also, all, yeah. Well, so like, I, I why was I riding a kangaroo, playing tennis? <laughs> you, know, you know, but because you don't remember everything in sequence. But right, uh, used to, I remember uh, reading. Um, I think it was Dragons of Eden by Carl Sagan. Uh, it's an older book. Uh, but uh, he talks about dreams and the brain and that. And uh, it, it when you're when you're dreaming, I think like basically your frontal cortex is like not operating necessarily. So it's like your lizard brain. <laughs> you know, is doing all of it. And that doesn't pick up on logic. 
so you don't realize that things are not, you know, are not supposed to be the way that they are. And that's why in your dream, when you start to realize that things are weird, that's usually when you're waking up, you know, yeah. like you don't, you know, it's not long before you actually start waking up at that point. Uh, yeah. It's because your your frontal lobe is actually starting to kick in again. Um, so it's kind of like your your child brain is part of the dream world, um, which, you know, it's it, what a terrific, you know, nightmare landscape you can create from that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think the movie plays with dreams in another way that I think connects to the end um, and how it connects with dreams versus reality, you know, because um, mm. on this watch, I really got to thinking about like what reality, what, what actually was reality in the film, you know, especially considering that dreamlike ending. And I got to thinking about like the distinction between waking and dreaming and just how blurry that line can actually be. You know, like even people who aren't schizophrenic can experience visual hallucinations or auditory hallucinations. Um, most can relate to seeing something in the corner of their vision that isn't really there or hearing things that aren't there. Like, I remember when I played music really loud, I used to always think that the telephone was ringing and I'd have to, like, you know, stop the music and, <laughs> and see if it was. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the brain can be unreliable and uh, both reality and dreams are kind of processed for us in the brain. And I think it's interesting that after Tina's opening nightmare, when she wakes up in bed, you know, the movie transitions to the girl skipping rope in slow motion, reciting the one, two, Freddy's coming for you rhyme. And then mm -hmm. camera pans over to Glenn's car pulling up at normal speed. So right from there, the viewer can't be sure if what we're seeing is reality or a dream state, you know? So like when Nancy turns her back on Freddy and says she knows the secret that it's all just a dream. And since it's her a dream, she's in she's control. the dreamer. You know, she has the power. So was any of it real? Is the dream the true reality? So in the end, you know, it looks like Freddy, in, though, is still in control. So did Nancy ever have a chance? Is Freddy in their dreams or are they in his? You know, like if we pretend that the sequels never existed, these questions aren't actually clearly answered in this film. And I think that's actually what makes it kind of stronger. Um, mm -hmm. he, he confuses our sense of what was actually real in the film and makes us question it, uh, which I think is really powerful, you know. Like yeah. I said, if if they didn't if they didn't have to have answers for the sequels, I think he could have just left it there. And I think that's that was his intention originally that it wasn't going to have sequels. But right. yeah, I don't think he out. ever he didn't he didn't direct another one until um, New Nightmare, right? Right. He yeah. didn't have the rights to the character because he yeah. sold those to New Line in order to get the film made. Yeah. Um, so he didn't have control over what they did afterwards, but he didn't want there to be a sequel. Yeah. But I do. I do like the um, the sets on uh, in the the dream worlds that the whole boiler room mm -hmm. thing and the, the sound effect yeah. the sound effect of uh, the claws scraping across mm -hmm. the the metal pipes and stuff yeah that's that's creepy, creepy. yeah and that there's really good um, sound design in this movie too if you watch it with headphones on or something there's a lot of like like whispering. And, uh, you know, Freddie talking, uh, mm -hmm. especially in that, that schoolroom scene, you know, Nancy, you know, that's that sort of stuff. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's creepy. Um, so yeah, all, all, all around good job from, from everybody, uh, except for Ronnie Blakely. <laughs> <Just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> she, did, she did her, she tried her best. Um, what else? I'll, oh, I love the fact that, um, when they go to the the sleep study thing, 
mm-hmm. love the fact that we 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 find out that she can pull things out of the out of the dream world. Yeah, that that, that was kind of neat uh, in a very creative way um, to set up the end. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's cool yeah, because it's every time every time she goes in, she's like trying to figure out the boundaries and the rules of like the dream world, you know, mm-hmm. like when she burns herself to wake herself up and that she can pull Freddie's hat out. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the coolest things about her. But it does really make me mad that she literally pulls his hat out of thin air in front of a bunch of people and like her mom still won't listen to her. Yeah. That is so annoying. I'm like, she has a physical hat. She's like being. Where did you get that? Watched by scientists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it yeah. fits so she well with that the... teenage frustration, though. You know, mm-hmm. parents yeah. just not listening or understanding. Parents um, just don't understand. Just don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we all know that song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I, can I just add one more thing about Glenn's kill? Yes, um, you can. At all. It's, Glenn's kill. <laughs> well, that blood geyser, you know, and. I, of course, seeing that floored me. Um, there's like this majesty to it. Uh, you know, when I was young, the amount of blood to me, of course, is way more than a human body can contain. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can criticize it for that. But when I, I remember when I, I was young, to me, it suggested that Glenn, what it wasn't just like Glenn's blood, you know, <laughs> that he had been pulled down into like Freddy's abattoir, you know. Mm-hmm. And the blood was just all the other victims like spilling out, basically. Ew. You know, you know, you don't you don't actually see him come back up either. Um, but I just remember the amount of blood was more frightening to me because I knew it wasn't just Glenn. Um, but I, I remember being that being kind of an early memory when I first saw that. Uh, I just wanted to mention that before we move past uh, the kills. Yeah, yeah. it's a really great scene. I like when the cop says, "You won't need a stretcher up there. You need a mop." Yeah. yeah. It's dripping from the ceiling and everything. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, my question is this. Is this... Do you consider this a slasher movie? I do. Like I a mean, supernatural slasher. Supernatural slasher, so to speak. Um, yeah, because fantasy that's, slasher. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, some people do, some people don't. Um, I, I think that... I think it's definitely a, a, a slasher, but it's it doesn't have quite the formula that most yeah. other slashers which, which is what yeah. made it special yeah, yeah that's why i like yeah. it <laughs> yeah and i didn't just call the formula what was funny is how <laughs> as her laying in camp uh nancy goes to the library and she's getting this book on booby traps and all yeah. of a sudden she's like an expert <laughs> on booby traps and, I love and that. like she well, set that bag on house up like like a, a the, navy the seal most- <laughs> and, and she supposedly does that in like less than 10 minutes yeah, yeah. which is the most ridiculous thing here in, in 20 minutes so give me enough time to yeah. sleep like, what, yeah. what well because the thing is we She's see her make all these ball movie traps, and then she puts her mother to bed and then yeah. she sets the 10 minute timer to actually fall asleep oh so God. that's an all less than a 10 minute period like putting up sledgehammers yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. we've got I know. a I little wish, bit of a I time I showed yeah. her doing that before Right. She asked her dad to come over in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny. No one thought, yeah. yeah, you know, I don't think Nancy could pull that off in t- yeah. 20 minutes. Well, you just yeah. throw a Rocky montage in there and you're good. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Setting traps now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like uh, 
the fact that we we get to see a little homage there to uh, Evil Dead, Evil Dead on in there. Yeah, uh, it's, it's pretty well known that they did things like that back and forth, right? Because mm-hmm. isn't Freddy's glove in in uh, yeah the shed and Evil Dead uh, too? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of it was kind of cool. To yeah, see I love that. that. Yeah, so like fun. Horror directors doing that. I think it's one of the best things about the horror genre is how like intertextual it is. Yeah, you know, how much. Yeah. How much the films talk to each other? Hey, it could it could be happening in the same universe. You never know. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I get a lot of people saying that they think this thing is like dated, and I I, I feel like it holds up that. really well. Again, I was one who was excited about the remake. <laughs> I was excited about the remake, and I like the remake. It's a spoiler. We're going to talk about that when we when we get to watch it. Has everyone seen the remake? No. I think I technically have, but I literally don't remember it. When it first yeah. came out, I thought, yeah. Most people absolutely hate it. Um, I, I like it a lot, but I, don't, I didn't think it was absolutely necessary. It's similar to the new West Side Story. Uh, I saw the new West Side Story. I love, I'm sorry, I love musicals. I'm the not- West Side Story, the original one from 1961, is a classic. It, it, it didn't need a remake, but Steven Spielberg did a great job. It's a good movie. It just wasn't necessary. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, and I kind of think the same thing. I don't think this is real dated at all. Um, I mean, as far as like, okay, clothes are of the time and cars are of the time and phones are of the time. Mm-hmm. But like, I didn't, I didn't feel like it was like if I were a young person watching it that I couldn't relate because it was I, so dated. I think some of the visual effects are not convincing. You know, I think that's a budget issue in a lot of ways, you know, um, but, but I think that's I part of the charm. Like dated. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of the charm. Like the, the tongue coming out of the phone. That's I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. I love yeah. that. You know, that's great. They're all practical. They're all practical. Yeah. So the only yeah. really bad glaringly horrible one is the Marge getting pulled through the door. <laughs> yeah. yeah. At the end, which was, I believe, just thrown in. At the Bob last Shea, I think, insisted I think on so. that. Yeah, that that way they could have the sequel set up and everything. Um, yeah, but I even the like when when uh, Nancy's mom is in the bed, just her skeleton, and she's kind of like lowering down into the uh, that that's awesome. Can we talk about the the practical cool um, uh, Freddie coming through the wall oh, uh, I love that. while Nancy yeah. is sleeping? Yeah, that's yeah. iconic. That they did it in the in the in the um, remake. Of course, they did, did it not work by CGI, <laughs> right. uh, which they didn't need. Basically, all that was was a big rubber like sheet, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, I thought it was awesome. It, it looked is awesome. Super awesome. So um, creepy. Yeah. And what? Here's the thing: Is there something satanic about Freddy? Like what? What would a crucifix? What? What's the thing about crucifixes? Well, like no, the crucifix I, see, fell on the bed. The, the crucifix fell off the wall when Tina was getting killed. Uh, the song says five six get a crucifix. Like what is that? Like I I don't think that stuff fits with Freddy. Honestly, yeah. Um, you know I know that they they start pushing that stuff more in part three, uh, which 
you know, spoiler, I like part three, but I don't think that sort of fits with him. Um, you know, I know Wes Craven was way more influenced by like Eastern religions and everything mm -hmm. else. And I think, I just think that that stuff fits way better with the, the Freddy storyline. Um, yeah. you know, I, I don't think that bringing in like kind of a <laughs> Judeo Christian, you know, uh, imagery really fits with what's going on in these stories at all. But um, what, so. Wes Craven did this one. And the crucifixes yeah, yeah. is all over the place. Like I don't, I didn't, yeah. I didn't get it. Like I, don't, I was like, you know, is he I getting rid of the crucifix? A more generic good versus evil. Like I mean, that is a child's yeah. rhyme. So probably in a kid's mind, what's something that I could use against the boogeyman while a crucifix? You know? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think he's like in the technically rhymes, a demon. They're not winning right? against him. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, what did you say, Jessica? It was. I, was saying, I think he's technically a, a demon. So maybe that's dream demon. Yeah. A dream, a dream demon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't know. It's been a while since I've seen like, you know, four or five, because three starts to get into a little bit of the backstory. Get the nun four and, and five else. really get yeah. into the backstory like crazy. Right, especially five. Yes. And I don't remember that. So as we get into that, maybe we'll answer some of these questions. Like what exactly is he supposed to be? And then um, in six, you get all kinds of crazy stuff. Six is um, what? Dream Freddy's child? Dead. Freddy's dead. Okay. Five is five is the dream child. Yeah. I don't. I just don't. I'm. I get those those three middle ones mixed up. Four, five, and six. I get them mixed up. Which ones? Were, where he's got the the meatballs on the pizza. I don't remember which one that was. I haven't seen. It might be five. Yeah, it I think so. Dream dream child. Dream mm. child. Yeah. Yeah craziness yeah it gets crazy but you know I, I, but i i don't need all that answered i mean it, it's it's even uh again scarier to me when i don't know yeah no, know, i agree when they try to to fill in all the gaps same thing with with rob zombie and halloween and you know we're gonna make we're gonna make you understand michael myers and why he is what no yeah. that's not scary at all sorry um well, I saw this thing that I guess Freddie's total screen time equals about seven minutes in this movie altogether. And I think that's what really works with these first two. Like I've mm -hmm. mentioned, I quit after three because I didn't like what he was kind of turning into after three. Mm -hmm. in, the, in these, he's kind of like always in the these first two. He's always in the shadows. You're just never quite mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. You know, you don't get too much Freddie in the daylight, if at all. Yeah. Yeah. I I was I remember thinking the same thing when I rewatched it here this time. I was like, you know, there's there's not a ton of Freddy. There's there's just enough Freddy to make him mysterious and, and scary or whatever. Um it, it's almost more about the teens, like one of you said. Like this is the yeah. teens. Well, when when they're being killed, we don't actually see Freddy. Right. You know, like we see Tina getting killed, you know, by an invisible force. Rod gets hung you know, by an invisible force, uh, you yeah. know, Johnny Depp just gets sucked into a bed. Um, you know, yeah. I, I think that the, the breaking of boundaries in that way between dream world and reality is actually what makes him scary. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, as the movies go on, they become set pieces within the dreams and it becomes less about, you know, Freddie actually killing them and more about like these more dreamlike set pieces, you know, like he's not actually stabbing people to death or, yeah. um, especially when you get into like four and so, yeah, I, I think, you know, when you see more Freddy in the daylight, he's certainly not as scary. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It, it, it became about how can he kill people? 
Mm. Um, and that's what most slashers become about. You yeah. know, Halloween became about that. Uh, Friday the 13th most definitely came, became about that. Like, what's the most creative, the most creative, uh, crazy way that these guys can kill people? You know, and that, I mean, some people that, that, that's their jolly. It gets their jollies. You know, I don't know. I don't, yeah. I, I think it's, I, I mean, I think especially the fact that, you know, dreams are something that we have a hard time remembering. Mm hmm. I think that Freddy as a killer in dreams is more effective when we don't see him all the time, yeah. you know, yeah. when he is more of a suggestion, when he's something that we glimpse from the shadows yeah. um, that we can't see clearly. Uh, I think it's just more in keeping with dreams, but mm -hmm. I was going to say a dislike for me is actually when he comes into the real world and he's falling into all these booby traps and he turns into like a three stooges character. Um, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I kind of don't like that they did that unless the intention was like to trick Nancy into feeling like she had one over him. But then in the end, he actually wins, except mm -hmm. that Wes Craven's like original idea was that Nancy was going to be like the one who won in the end, um, you know, and they didn't go with the ending that he wanted. So yeah, I, I kind of like that. I, I like I mentioned before, you know, he's he's the bully. You know, mm -hmm. more than more than the other slashers, because he just he relishes the torture and harassing people, you know. Um, so I think that seeing him get struck by a sledgehammer and seeing <laughs> uh, I, I think it's, it's a fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's pretty got home alone, payoff, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I'll take. Yeah, uh, I, I think not everything works in those scenes. Um mm -hmm. I think the burn is actually when he's on fire is really impressive as far as like a pyrotechnics point of view, but yeah. it's clearly a guy in a burn suit. Um, you know, there, there's just certain things that you can't hide uh, when you're, yeah. you're going through those. Um, yeah. I like the idea of them though. I, I like seeing, you know, Freddie get his, his ass handed to him basically. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I guess it's important to be like in the dream world, he can do whatever he want, like cut off his own fingers. Mm -hmm. But then when he comes into our world, you know, he has to play by our rules. But yeah. it just kind of makes why, him, like, a lot yeah. less frightening because he's this little tiny fedora burning person. <laughs> mm -hmm. well, the less <laughs> way, there, there's a scene in the next movie that we're going to be discussing where it doesn't work at all because Robert Engel is not a big dude. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, when you take him out of the real world, he's not nearly as scary. Uh, you know, he, he's scary in his playground. Um, right. So. Yeah. All right. Well, we should probably finish this one up because we got another movie yeah. to talk about. Um, any any dislikes? I mean, I, I've already talked about my only dislike is 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 the mom and, and her acting, which doesn't really affect me. It doesn't affect me like points wise or nothing, but it's yeah. just the only thing that I have that's there's, that's even a remote dislike. There's some bad EDR sometimes, um, like the scene where like uh, Nancy's talking to Rod behind the bush and then he gets arrested you know you can the the dialogue isn't necessarily matching up with people's mouths they mm. yeah <laughs> they overdub that um yeah. it's kind of obvious at certain points you know it's just little mm -hmm. things like that that kind of throw you off a little bit um <clears throat> but it's it's a rough movie it's not a polished yeah. movie and it's got a lot of ambition so i'm mm -hmm. forgiving of it but i just i notice it every time yeah, yeah. i didn't really notice that i didn't notice I didn't that i didn't either and i like i like the fact that it's that it's rough Yes, that it's definitely you know a, a low budget film, but it it doesn't feel like a low budget film. Now it doesn't feel like 
something polished like the Goonies or Karate Kid or something like that. But yeah, yeah. But it, it is still. I mean, the cinematography is good. The lighting is good. The sound yeah. design is good. You mm-hmm. can see the seams. Yeah, but it's still yeah. really good. Yeah, and they use Anybody? some really cool like movie magic techniques. Yeah, you know, yeah. That you just can't believe that it's such a small budget but this is when horror this is what horror movies were at the time before they started going mainstream and you had you know actual like hollywood studios making some horror movies they were all rough like this made from little studios like i remember new line being like you would see that on cheap video you know some of those less (laughs) some of those vhs's from more towards the back of the you know selection Mm -hmm. um would have that on there so i don't know it, it works it's what they were at the time yeah well i mean i i think one of the things that really attracted me to this as a kid was the fact that it was horror fantasy yeah, um totally. and what's so great about like horror fantasy is and you know a lot of supernatural horror as well is that it uses like all the tricks of cinema you know it's just like every trick in the book that you can use you know between camera angles or trick shots or you know you you really have to bring all of your tools uh to this assignment when you're when you're doing fantasy so you know not everything's going to work right but what they're still able to pull off with a limited budget yeah. you know they, the fact that it's fantasy i mean that's demanding stuff that they had to pull off i mean halloween was a very small budget gorilla filmmaking project they had nothing of this caliber to have to pull off. No, you know what I'm no, saying? No. Like th- this was, this was like, man, we want to make a, we want to make a $30 million movie for $750,000. That's, <laughs> yeah. what, that's what they were trying to do. And I think that they, they really, they really succeeded. This is, I mean, to me, it's, it's Craven's magnum opus. I yeah. mean, this is, this is it, man. This is, this is the best. So. And I think if I'm remembering correctly that they had filmed it in 32 days, Wow. Wow. It's it's like the more you find out, you're just like, how is it as good as it is? I have a fun thing to announce um, that was just released five days ago, is that um, A Nightmare on Elm Street is headed to the National Film Registry at the Library of Congress. That's awesome. Wow. So that well, means that fun. it's like... It'll it's be, be preserved like put, permanently. Preserved yeah. permanently. Yeah, yeah. So when the if aliens there's, if there's the find day after Earth in the future, they're gonna be like the day after we'll be able to see a Nightmare on Elm Street, the <laughs> yes. Exorcist. You know, yeah, that's cool. The greats. That is good. Um, I, I do want to recommend. I actually didn't have time to watch them um, as I uh, prepared for this, but the documentary "Never Sleep Again." If you guys have not seen that, is really really good, uh, really in depth stuff. A long stuff. time ago, but yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. I also, I'll have it's like to seven I'll, hours. Yeah, yeah. I have to remember uh, what it's. I found it at a pawn shop, and it's it's another kind of documentary type thing. I'll have to look what it is, um, and and, and tell you guys. But it's a real, it's pretty rare. Um, but I, I like that sort of thing, uh, going real deep into. I do uh, too. Yeah. So, all right, let's let's go ahead and rate this one. Can I go first? Yes. Sure. No. I think it's about a six <laughs> out of ten. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> this, this is um, this bounces around between like my fourth or fifth uh, favorite horror movie of all time. Um, this this comes right after like Halloween, The Exorcist, The Shining. 
Um, so I, I, I'm going to give this a 10 out of 10. That that is that's even with uh, uh, Ronnie's wooden acting. I'll forgive that. It's a 10 out of 10 for me. I can go back. I can go back and watch. That's how I know that I like a movie so much. I can go back and watch it anytime, mm-hmm. any, and, and I will be into it. You know, I mean, there, there's, there's a handful of movies like that. Um, and, and this is one of them. So, um, Taminator. I don't know that this is in like my top five of all time or whatever, but if you, looked at tammy's little building block of horror <laughs> like this is in my foundation of like what got me started down this whole path tammy's years ago. little building blocks of horror <laughs> <laughs> I like that I like that like if you looked at my foundation it is in there now i probably also would have given this a 10 because it deserves it but then i watched part two so i have to <laughs> Which I'm just gonna say that is my favorite one. I don't care what anybody says. So I'm gonna give this one a nine. I'm not. Yes, I'm gonna give this one a nine. Your favorite one? Yes. Yes. I wish about to have a good conversation. (laughs) We are about to have a good conversation. Yeah, I don't care. And I, you know what? I don't think I realized that till I went back and watched it for today. You just like naked butts. That's all you like. Make naked men butts. Naked and and I get all the gay porn I can get my hands on, you know. <laughs> so what do you give yeah, this? It's getting, a, it's getting a nine point five. Nine point five. Because it deserves right. it. Just Jessica. Yes. So this is almost perfect to me. It's almost a ten out of ten. There's just like a couple of nitpicky things that bring it a little bit down for me. But like you said, it is something that you can pretty much just throw on at any time and you're going to get sucked in and be entertained. Um, so for me, it's a 9.5 out of 10. Nice. Happy cat. And Vin. Yeah. I'm also a 9.5. Um, I watch it every few Double years. There's Come on, you people need to give it that extra 0. 0.5. <laughs> I'm saving it I mean, for two. There, there are just a, a few of those elements that keep it from being really great. You know, it's a great mm-hmm. film, but uh, there's just a few things that hold it back. Um, so, but you're saying you know, that it's great. It's yes, just it is not great. really great. great. <laughs> 9.5 is a great score. No, yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, 9.5 for me, not because I think that two is better, uh, but yeah, um, it's, <laughs> it, it's close to a 10 for me. Yes. All right. Yeah. I think especially considering just all the different aspects of what went into making it, it's like, you cannot give it a low rating. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like they accomplished so much with what they had. Mm-hmm. It's just special. It's hard for me to say exactly, to put it exactly into words, but there's just something really special about it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're, we're going to have <laughs> a heck of a conversation as to why oh, number boy. two is Tammy's favorite of the series. <laughs> so we'll be right back. Hey, love horror movies. Handpicked by experts, psychos, demons, ghosts, the occult, zombies, killer kids, black magic, vampires, shutter kills, Netflix on selection, screams on demand, shutter.com. All right, we are back, and it's time to take a look at 
A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge. This one came out in 1985, a year later. Anybody know when? I'm looking. I don't know. Release date was November 1st. Yeah. November 1st, so a little over a year. And I think you can tell in the uh, production there. Um, it is uh, uh, not written. Or yeah, it is. It is partly written by Wes Craven, right? Well, the characters. characters. Only the characters. Mm-hmm. So he only had. He didn't write you know, the original characters. Or he, he was given credit, but David Chaskin. Yeah. Wrote this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know much about David Chaskin. He wrote The Curse, I Madman, um, and that's about it. <laughs> that's about it in this one. Um. And then uh, uh, Jack Shoulder was the director of this one. Uh, anybody know anything about him? Uh, he did Alone in the Dark and The Hidden. Oh, I've heard. I've never seen The Hidden, but I've heard good things about it. I uh, also haven't seen it. Alone in the Dark is the one with uh, Donald Pleasance and and all them, where where the uh, the people escape from the mental institution or something. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, this one uh, uh, stars Mark Patton as Jesse Walsh. Um, he also did a documentary just, I think, two years ago. Uh, what was it called again? Scream Queen. Scream Queen. Um, I guess he, uh, I haven't watched it. I didn't watch it. Um, but it's something about like his, his coming out as, as homosexual and, and cause obviously when we talk about this, we're going to have to talk about the overtly, um, obvious homosexual, like, I don't even know what, what you'd call it. Like, undertones? It's not, it's under- not even an undertone. No, it's, it's, it's like, <laughs> right trying to face. pretend like it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I did watch Scream Queen, um, so I can kind of help give a little insight on that. Mm-hmm. If you guys want to go into it a little bit. Uh, yeah, just while we're talking about him. Okay, yeah. So basically what it was, was at that time in the 80s, um, you know, when a- the AIDS scare was happening, he, mm-hmm. had tes- he had tested positive for HIV, and he was you know, a gay actor, but he hadn't actually really come out of the closet because he didn't want to be targeted, you know, like for hate crime or anything or not get jobs because of it with the AIDS scare. Um, And so he felt like this movie, you know, with the gay subtext, like really kind of put him out there. Um, And he feels like it kind of ruined his career. But he also mm. kind of like decided not to keep working because of his fear. Mm. But he kind of blames um, David Chaskin for a lot of that, the writer, for not kind of like explicitly saying like, hey, this movie's pretty gay. Um, yeah, I guess David and Chaskin was pretty gay. Kind yeah. Of and David Chaskin him. also like denied it for a long time and kind of said, yeah, mm. there's like, a gay subtext to it but the thing that really made it gay was your acting like your performance is what made it seem super gay basically yeah. <laughs> i'm serious yeah, so he had a 
problem with David Chaskin, like up until they um, filmed Scream Queen and they finally like had a one-on-one heart-to-heart talk about it and David Chaskin finally like apologized, you know, um, but yeah, it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. I think it's like a really wrong place, wrong time kind of thing, you know, yeah. like very situational and very personal to uh, Mark Patton and just yeah. like the way that he took it. And the director, Jack Shoulder, was like, are you really still mad at David Chaskin from like 30 years ago? Like, just chill, dude, we're cool. <laughs> you know, yeah. so yeah. it's but I can understand also like why he felt kind of personally attacked. Even though I don't think he, I don't think he was being, you know, personally yeah. attacked, of yeah. course. I think it was just like a circumstantial thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Chaskin didn't write it with him in mind, right? I yes. mean, it, it, right. it was already there. And did they cast him knowing he was the gay guy and that he might be good for this kind of gay over undertone movie? I'm just going to call it overtones because that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't. That, that's the only thing is if he no. wasn't out and they knew he was gay and they. Kind it, of, it's it's weird like how oblivious some of the people involved in this movie seem. Yeah. You know, like I had no idea that they were gay. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, like the one that played um, Grady. You know that actor. At least he's come out and said he's like it's right on the page. He's like, yeah, there's he no way like, these guys didn't know. <laughs> he was like, as soon as I read the script, I knew. Yeah. yeah. They go to an SNM, you know, gay bar, basically. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So that's Mark Patton. Uh, Kim Myers as Lisa Weber. She reminds me of like a young Meryl Streep. Yeah, she. Yeah. yeah. A little bit. I mean, uh, that's like why they hired her. And literally yeah. the second she came on the screen, both my daughter and I looked at each other and were like, Meryl Streep. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. <laughs> uh, Robert Russler is Ron Grady or the uh, SNM gym teacher <laughs> clue gulager as mr walsh hope lang as mrs walsh marshall bell as coach schneider oh i was i was wrong robert yeah, Russell Ron is his friend. that's his is, friend yeah right yeah the jock yeah uh marshall bell was the uh the coach who was into snm melinda yeah. O'Fee as mrs weber tom mcfadden as mr weber sydney walsh as carrie of course, Robert England, England as Freddy Krueger, he's back. And that's about it. We got all kinds of different uh, people here. Spike, victim, Patty, policeman, girl on bus, you know. So we don't need to go through this. All right. So this one, uh, this is takes place five years after the events of the first one, even though a year has only passed since we saw the first movie. Uh, a teenage boy is haunted in his dreams by deceased child murderer Freddy Krueger, who was out to possess him in order to continue his reign of terror in the real world. Um, going a little, little bit more, more detail, the, the teenage boy's name is Jesse. His family just moved into Nancy's old house on Elm Street. Uh, it took him five years to sell the house, of course, because of the horrible things that happened there. And now uh, Freddy's after Jesse. Okay? But his MO changes in this one a little bit mm -hmm. as to how he works. And we'll talk about why, uh, this one only has a 5.5 out of 10, uh, on IMDb, <laughs> uh, 67,000, uh, you know, reviews. I, I don't know if it, if it's, it's, it's 5.5. I mean, it's Tammy's about to give it a 10, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it's definitely not, uh, as well regarded as, 
as the first one. So it is an hour and 27 minutes long, definitely rated R. And we're going to take a listen to the trailer. And when we get back, we're going to give our first impressions. All right. We are back. I'm, I'm going to go first. Can I go first? Do Thank it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, my first impressions of this, I, the, you know, the big thing that I remember from this movie when I was a teenager, like I didn't, this is weird. I didn't get any of like the gay. I didn't either. When I was I a teenager, not. like maybe I was just not into thinking about the movies that hard. You know, <laughs> the big thing that I remember was Freddie jumping out at the pool party. That was the big thing with this mom. You're all my children now. You know, that was, oh, that, was that was the big thing from this movie that I remember. Um, I did not remember like the actors. I didn't remember the story. Not until, you know, years later when I got back into horror and I was, I was watching stuff that I really, you know, dig into this one uh, very much. It's not one that I, uh, return to very often. Uh, although it does have a few cool set pieces and, 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 and a few things that I like about it. Um, so, so my first impression was Freddie at a pool party. That's what I remember. That was, that was cool. Sweet. Uh, that's all I, I'll remember. <laughs> that, so, and I did not see this at the theater either. This was a, definitely a, a video invasion. That was our, uh, we didn't have blockbuster. We had video invasion and video den. Uh, and this was something I saw from there. Uh, Vin, how about you? Um, this out of all the Nightmare on Elm Street films, uh, growing up, this is one that I definitely saw the least of. Um, I, the first time I watched this one the whole way through, uh, was when I was in my early twenties. Um, and it, it was when I was going through the whole franchise from beginning to end for the first time. And I vaguely recognized the bus scene in the opening. Uh, mm-hmm. so I must've seen parts of it at some point. Um, but other than that, I had no memory of seeing the rest of the film. Um, so, I, and when I watched it, I didn't know anything about his reputation as like a gay horror film. Uh, and I remember thinking how utterly odd and ridiculous the things I was seeing were, um, the next day, I remember hanging out with some friends and I brought up the film asking if any of them had seen it. And they all said they hadn't, I just remember saying to them, it's really gay <laughs> and, <laughs> and like them laughing. And I, like, I wasn't speaking in a homophobic manner, but I was just so confused and I wanted them to watch it to see if they saw what I saw. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it, and I know over the past 10 years, the film has kind of had some reevaluation. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure we're going to hear some of it from Tammy. <laughs> you know, I, I've heard some uh, many people say that even in spite of some of the silliness on the screen, Freddy is still scary. And some go as far as to say it's a good movie. Um, I don't agree with either of those assessments, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> I think it's entertaining in certain ways, but kind of for all the wrong reasons. Um, I think especially like the, the gay overtext <laughs> uh, is interesting. And it's really the only thing that ends up interesting me about the movie. Um, mm-hmm. And it's undoubtedly an important film for the gay community uh, and a film that kind of helps us talk about a very difficult decade uh, for homosexuals. Um, but, you know, in the end, I hate to say it, but I just never liked Jesse. Um, I always found it obnoxious. And uh, I, I ultimately just don't think that's a very good, Nightmare on Elm Street film or a very good horror film overall. Uh, so, you know, Tammy's going to really disagree with me on this. <laughs> Gauntlet thrown down. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> All right. Jessica, first impressions. 
So I know that I watched this at some point in high school, but I can't really remember it. So I'm kind of thinking of this watch as my first impressions. But I do recall the dogs with the weird people baby faces. I think that's the one scene that somehow got burned into my memory um because that happened and i was like i know this um, another confusing choice yeah. yeah but i would say that i really appreciate that they try to do something different with this installment and that was the thing that stood out the most to me um was that they were trying to do a kind of possession story instead of just trying to do the same thing which usually is what slasher franchises do. You know, they kind of just want to have the same situation happening in a slightly different area or with slightly different characters or whatever. So I appreciate that they try to like do something different. Um, whether or not they're super effective in their exploration, um, you know, of their idea is, I'll leave that to be said throughout our discussion, but I do super appreciate that they try to do something different and that the writing was like interesting. Mm -hmm. I would agree. They, they definitely took it in a completely different direction, mm -hmm. which, which, which just raises questions about the, like, like the whole mythology and like what, what is going on here and, and why is Freddie now needing to possess someone to kill? Why isn't he just, uh, you know, so. And lastly, Taminator. You know, to bring this full circle, you know who Jesse is. This, it's um, the, he's the kid from Crowhaven Farm because that's the mom. But she ran off and had her baby. Hope Lang is the <laughs> yeah. lady from Crowhaven Farm, and she ran off with her kid. That was Jesse. She found Clue Gulliger. Yeah. And, uh, oh, that's so funny. <laughs> settled in Springwood. Anywho, <laughs> um, I know this has a gay undertone now that I see it, but I can honestly say I did not pick up on that. And I would have probably, this would have been a rental for me at, you know, when it came out, whatever year that was. Um, and I just kind of more associated it with just another aspect of Freddie's deviance, you know, his like, um, like with the gym teacher and stuff, it was just another he, I mean, he's a pedophile, so I guess the gayness of it just felt like another just aspect of his deviance. Um, but now that I, this time I watched it, I can totally see it. And I realize I had not seen this in a very long time. Um, like I said, I think it's my favorite one, even with the stupid and irritating parts. And it has those. Um, I think I can just, I don't know. It just went just really, it's before, like I said, I quit after three. And I think this is the last we get of like that really evil Freddy who's like mm -hmm. just an evil, you know, there's no humor or anything like that. And I think that's the Freddy that really works for me. And he's just a much more subdued Freddy. And I like this one just seems like it almost exists in its own little world, you know, kind of like from the rest of the franchise. So, but I haven't, I quit after three. So I'll, uh, you, I'll revisit that after I see all the other ones, but I don't well, know. Right get now, this is my he doesn't favorite. get any meaner. He just gets more wisecracky. So. And see, when you're talking about, like, you know, the kids with the lunchboxes and the cutout at the grocery store, that's when they almost started to, like, humanize Freddy. I have no time for that. Yeah. I like this Freddy. So. Well, I'll tell you, I'm, I don't know. Is Freddy a pedophile? I because don't think it's he never is said. yet. 
I think it's they, never said unless right. you uh, watch the. Um, I believe he's a pedophile in the the new the remake, mm -hmm. but he is Pretty only referred to as a child murderer. Yeah. So I don't oh, know if he hasn't. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you're a pedophile, you're attracted sexually to the kids or whatever, oh, and you molest he's them. A very sexual character to me. He just always has felt like that. Yeah, they, yeah, wanted to, they yeah. originally wanted to make him a pedophile, but there was something that had happened. Yes. There was an event that occurred that there made them change their mind. was a big pedophile mind. thing that, that happened thing, in the news. Right? Yeah. yeah. And they, they were like they Satanists who were like a pedophile ring and oh, that ended up not being true. Um, but, you know what? Yeah, the news. Yeah, yeah, at this time, though, AIDS there probably... There's a satanic panic. Yeah, this time, AIDS was probably worse. I know it's hard to understand now, but... I think if you had AIDS, you were probably considered worse than a pedophile at this time. AIDS was the worst thing that there was. Well, there was no, I mean, no information on it. And and everyone was scared, like, can, can somebody breathe Ryan on me White, and give me AIDS? Yeah, can the whole get... Ryan White story, like, they wouldn't let that kid come to school. And it, yeah. it was terrible. And you're right. Yeah. We were just ignorant of, you know, how the whole AIDS thing worked. But, yeah, I mean, I think the gay... I think we were just more gay ignorant back in the 80s. Like, it's it's so acceptable now and widely <laughs> talked about. I think back in the 80s when I was young, it was as closeted as, like, if you would talk about it in the same hush breath that you would talk about a pedophile. But you it's know, right, it like, you say that, but, like, at the same time, it was, like, it was also, like, almost like a gayer time in pop culture. It was, you look yeah, like, like music videos aesthetic. and what... <laughs> Disco in the 70s and all that, yeah. on stage and, you but, know, a lot of I gender mean, bending and, um, you know, stuff that like comes off way, way gayer today when you see it. Looking but back I think, on it. Like, um, I think it was really big, like, in the, and accepted in the 70s and stuff. And then Reagan came in and yeah, the whole, family values and, yep. the whole yeah. place <laughs> went conservative, you know. Yeah. And that's when I was just getting old enough to kind of understand what was going on. And, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to come in here with some likes and you might um you know, there might be some disagreements here so just tell me you know uh, let's 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 just discuss the movie and not do likes and dislikes let's just kind of do it all uh, i think that would be easier for this movie um and and by the way if you've not seen this movie again same thing with the we're, we're gonna spoil i mean this is just it's 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 old okay um it doesn't seem like you agree with me, Vin. I really thought um, Mark Patton was good in this. Like, I'm not saying I he's thought, a bad actor. Yeah, uh, you think I, maybe I'm just saying the, the character is, is, I find, obnoxious. Uh, you know, it's... See, I didn't get sure. that. I didn't get that. I thought the character was, you know, it, it was who he was, but he... Uh, he was convincing... Like the actor was convincing. I thought he was actually a really good actor. His his uh, emoting and and uh, like the the part where um, Freddie kills his friend, and he's like, "You killed him! You killed him!" You, you know, yeah. I was like, that was like gut wrenching. Like I felt yeah. that. I, I don't think that Mark Patton is a bad actor. I'm just saying the character is he's a whiner, first mm -hmm. of all. Um, and okay, we, we go from Nancy who's like, she's like, I'm into survival, you know? <laughs> yeah. And she like takes the fight to Freddie, right? Uh, she will not be bullied. She will not be a victim. Jesse is a victim from moment one. 
and and I know that he's supposed to be played as like vulnerable. You know, I kind of get that, but he's useless in any situation where action is called for. Like even when a toaster catches fire right next to him, he just stands there and waits for his father to come over and fix it. You know, uh, mm -hmm. it, like it's it becomes more and more difficult to believe that the people that are around him actually give a crap about him. You know, mm -hmm. like Lisa is so boneheaded. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. She's like frustratingly naive in a lot of ways, um, you know, and like her her friend seems to think that Jesse's like a total catch. And I don't get I don't see that at all. Um, but, you well, know, he's a good looking guy. Yeah, but there's other good looking guys, I'm sure, in the school. Um, yeah, but her you know, friend was super hot. <laughs> the Lisa's friend who was like, hey, you getting that? I'm like, you're really hot. I don't know why you would even <laughs> look at that guy for a second. <laughs> also say that they keep like eyeing Jesse like he's a big catch. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it's just he, he's just kind of like a victim from moment one. Uh, it, when we first see him, he's on the bus, you know, inside the dream sequence. Mm -hmm. I don't really understand their choice here. Like they make him look like a nerd for some reason. Like mm -hmm. he's all like greased out. And but like, social that's, yeah. but that's not really how people dream. You know, you don't dream that you're totally different than who you are. Like the world changes around you, but it's mm -hmm. not like all of a sudden I'm just like a nerd in my dream. Um, so immediately when we when we're introduced to him in his own dream, he's he's like a helpless nerd who's just cowering in the back of a bus. And then we immediately transition from that to the family eating breakfast. And he has like that high pitched feminine scream. You know, and the yeah. sister's just like, why can't he wake up like everybody else? You know, and it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> there's. I, love, I, love <laughs> I actually do love the screams, but I think his character, they didn't really like give any like depth or roundness to his character for us to like really feel anything for him. Like I did so feel he, like his acting was good time. and convincing, but yeah, he was like a whiner. He was like a defense. Yeah, like he always felt like he had to defend himself against his dad and stuff, you know, so he kind of did have that victim mentality, just like inherently, I think, from that. I felt his dad was definitely not a a great dad. <laughs> his dad know? blamed him for a bird exploding. Yeah. A firecracker. You, did, you put a cherry bomb in it, you know. <laughs> yes. Ridiculous. I was like, what? <laughs> The dialogue yeah, I, force in this movie fed, is just I force fed a cherry bomb to a parakeet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I just was. Uh, well, I, 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 there's so I just liked about him as dad. an actor. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his acting even, was good. Yeah. But like, even with the father, like after, after the police bring Jesse home from walking in the streets naked, you know, of course, the father's just like, what drugs are you on? You know, and he's like offended by that question. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> That's what like I would you, you seem like somebody's completely drug addled. Uh, but the very next scene, we see Jesse leaving the house and it looks like the father's like taking the bars off the windows. Like if if my kid just got brought home from the cops for walking around the streets naked, I would not be taking those bars off the windows. You know, taking them uh, off, just adding them. <laughs> they were already on the windows. <laughs> They I were already they, there. I thought <laughs> yeah. they had taken them off when they moved in, and he was putting them back up. I, That's I what I thought. They were there. Okay, I'd have to look. Yeah. I don't have to look and see. It looked like he was unscrewing it when I when I saw it. It, it could have been. It could have been. You're more observant than I am, so yeah, I'll go with. Always. You. <laughs> <laughs> um, can we talk about why? Why the the 
I guess the modus operandi or whatever for Freddy changes here. Like what other than, okay, we're, we want to make this different than the first one. Why does he need to possess Jesse? Or is this just a something that Freddie wants to do because it's different? Well, you know? I, like, I, I know that you guys are kind of praising this for like, you know, trying something different, but it seems like, you know, the, you, you, you look at what worked in the first movie and then they just throw that out. You know, like, you know, we, we should take away dreams or, <laughs> you know, have have Freddy like pop out in the real world for no reason. You know, I, I don't know. There's so much that they tried in this movie that I just don't think worked. I, I do like the angle, the attempt of like Nancy's house almost being like a little bit of like a haunted house, you know, uh, bringing that a little more iconic. I like Freddy as like this. He's like not just a dream demon, but he seems to be like a fire demon. Like he's always associated with like heat, like the things melting in the rooms. Uh, mm-hmm. Like when he when he goes into the the hedge after the pool party and he's throwing lawn furniture around, uh, like he disappears in flame. You know, um, his makeup was, is awesome in this. Uh, so I like certain things that they're trying with it. Um, again, I don't think it works, but I, I like the attempt on mm-hmm. some of those things. Yeah, exactly. It, his makeup is different, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I think it's good. I think it's really good. Actually, I do too. Yeah, I really like it. Who is it? It's um, Kevin Yeager did the special effects on this one. And he wanted to focus on like bringing out the cheekbone a little more because he was looking at and examining pictures of burn victims and stuff. And he noticed that those certain kinds of features and bones would, you know, stick out more after they had gotten burned. And he wanted to like make his eyes kind of red and he said that Freddie kind of evoked like witchy imagery to him. And so he wanted to kind of like focus in on the nose and kind of give him more of like a pointed witchy kind of nose because mm-hmm. of like his deviance, really. Um, so and obviously Kevin Yeager's worked on a lot of great horror movies. Yeah. So I think I he did the... a cool job with um, kind of progressing the makeup style. Yeah, I'd like to yeah. uh, look look at at them side by side to see the the difference i'll pull that up in a little bit but i I think the the makeup effects are awesome could it be as simple as so we don't we i think at this point we only saw freddie come into the real world one time and he you know had the whole home alone all the traps and all that and it didn't go very well for him Mm -hmm. i wonder if he thought like maybe if he possessed a human he might have a little more strength Right. Be able to I don't know. I'm just, I'm just world. guessing. I don't know. There must be some, they don't really tell us why, but yeah. I mean, he must have some reason why, or if he uses a human's body and the, the human body would sustain any damage. He, I don't know. Yeah. To me, I don't think that they ever really explain it well enough, but I like to just kind of theorize that he's just kind of pushing his boundaries, seeing yeah. what he can get away with, see what kind of havoc he can wreak. And I think it probably is a little bit of like, I got defeated in this manner, you know, the last time I tried to torture somebody. So I'm mm-hmm. going to try out, try this but out. I mean, he was like, it. I think he was stuck with whatever, he, whoever moved into the house. Cause I mean, he did pick like the most snivelly, whiny, high strung guy to <laughs> possess, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. A little sister would have been tougher than Jesse was. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, what was what was up with all the? I mean, I, I understand this with the the subtext and the, all that, but like, 
why did the guy pull his pants down at second base and yeah. rip his jog strap? <laughs> and uh, what? What? That doesn't happen. Come on. Oh, it doesn't. This, this whole movie. You tell me you're pants each other? <laughs> no. It feels like it, like okay. I I praise Craven's writing on about teenagers in the last movie. This feels so much like an adult who has no idea what being a teenager is like, <laughs> trying to approximate somehow. You know, I like the way they talk that. to each other, like yeah. you mountain or nightly or what? Like it's just the way that they're talking to each other. Like, yeah. um, they don't understand how. Like, I love when the girls are using archery right in like the right along the first baseline, <laughs> like where they're playing baseball, uh, yeah. where they could easily get an arrow in the head as they're yeah. going. Yeah. Um, but it, it's just a weird approximation of what they think a teenager might be. Um, yeah. and it doesn't feel at all authentic. Like none of this feels like real high school life. Yeah. Well, let me let me clarify something. Yes, in high school, in gym class, sometimes guys got pantsed, but it was it was like you run up and you pants somebody and you run away. You don't, don't pants them right them. before you're ready to fight <laughs> and them. And then roll around yeah. on the floor with them. On the yeah. ground with them. That's what I'm saying. And, and why was he, he wearing a jock porn. strap? What was he wearing a jock strap for? For PE class? class. Get out of here. Nobody wearing a jock strap. Oh my god. I mean, I, I mean nothing. I mean, okay, so Jesse, he gets caught at a gay bar by mm-hmm. the coach. And he somehow gets punished by the coach to run laps in the middle of the night in the gym. Uh, was, I was trying to figure, <laughs> was that a dream or not? That was a dream. I couldn't I, yeah, the I coach really it. dies in the locker room and in the shower. Yeah, because then that guy really gets killed. Yeah, this movie does not handle dreams well. It it doesn't. It doesn't handle them well at all. Like in that whole sequence, I think is that when he when everything's melting in his room. Yeah, I think right. And then he walks out of his bedroom and he's like bone dry, like he's not even sweaty. Uh, And then he goes down and like lightning hits a dish. And then he walks to the gay bar and he tries to order a drink. And then somehow he gets in trouble this not like you know it's, it's not like the, the coach is going to be blackmailed or anything uh so then he goes back to the high school with the coach to run laps to be punished and then <laughs> while he when he's taking a shower the coach has like balls thrown at him uh and then he gets <laughs> stripped naked you know dragged with a jump rope his his towel whip towel and then and then apparently i guess jesse kills him with the claws Okay, and, uh, and also when he's say, being pulled into the shower with the oh jump ropes, he's like yeah. not fighting at all. He's just like, yeah. no. Well, even like, okay, I think there was like a dumbbell <laughs> that went across the room originally, but otherwise it was like tennis balls flying at him. Like, that's not going to kill him. Um, and Playground it, it's balls. just, yeah, and then Jesse sees the glove that's on his hand ball. and he screams. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah. <laughs> and then so I was later on, like, like, is he yeah, possessed yeah. by Freddy the whole time? I think time? that's what it's supposed to be, is, yeah. is that Freddy possessed him. Um, doesn't make sense. Uh, and then I, I love how they follow it up with Grady saying that there are like bloody footprints everywhere. He died in the shower. The, that's the last place you should have bloody footprints everywhere. Um, but anyway, uh, oh, and yeah, this movie, I, I don't know. Like I said, it's entertaining for the wrong reasons. Um, yeah, it, I see. I was under the impression that whole thing, that whole sequence was a dream. I really did. I was, I was, because it, was it too, cut so abruptly. Yeah, it cut it cut so abruptly to him walking out of the house, mm-hmm. and 
But well, then that's after that is when the cops find him wandering around naked. Yeah. He really did go out yeah. of the house. He really did go to the shower. He did do all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess he was just being possessed or or maybe he thought he'd go to the gay bar. And like, and then that's Freddy, what Freddie compels him to do. Apparently, I don't know. Uh, maybe because he was after the gym teacher, and Freddie knew the gym teacher was. I don't know. Uh, or yeah. Freddie just uses his body. He's not really a way. You know, he's actually possessed. He's not in control of his. So, you know, Freddie used him as a vessel to do the killing, which made him physically be there. But it wasn't mm-hmm. Jesse doing it. It was Freddie so using. Who made, who made the decision to go to the gay S and M bar? Freddy. Was it Freddy. Jesse or Freddy? Freddy. <laughs> yeah, that's not very know. clear. Yeah. Well, because here, here's the thing. I, know there's, I understand there's a lot of gay overtones and undertones in here, but is is Jesse supposed to be kind of no. struggling with Because uh, he likes Lisa, right? Woman. He likes he Lisa and she by, likes him. Like, I don't he think saved that he's... heterosexuality in the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he but he experimented also runs away. and he got over it. <laughs> he also he runs away in mid makeout session his, and runs to uh, his. He had his uh, college years there. where he experimented yeah. and now he's married with six kids. All right. Um, yeah. Here, here's a cool thing. You said you thought the special effects were good, Vin? No, I, the makeup effects. Makeup? I don't think the practical effects were good. I think the makeup effects were good. You didn't like the. Um, uh, see, now that I think about this, the whole thing where Freddy comes out of Jesse, like mm-hmm. comes actually out of his body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get that? He's coming out. Yeah. <laughs> is, I, don't, I don't know. Am I right? I'm I'm getting coming out. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. I thought it looked pretty good. Yeah, I that's what I'm okay with. It's like the parakeet looks awful. Uh, <laughs> the dogs with the baby faces. Or like when like Lisa's going through the 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 foundry or whatever wherever they are I don't even know why they're there really um but there's like a, a demon the cat and the like, rat. a rat or something like what the hell is that it looks like a sock puppet almost um the, I think the I think that the the practical effects I think are awful uh I think that the makeup effects are really good I really like all the body horror stuff though yeah. like the slashes on his arms and like the Finger knives coming out of the tips of his fingers and then Freddy coming out of his torso. Yeah. Like, I love all of that stuff. I yeah, I thought that was probably the best part of the movie. As yeah, well. me too. That was because I love that stuff. So yeah. I thought it was well done. Well, I think yeah. the best makeup moment is actually when Freddy exposes his brain. Yeah. yeah oh, the, yes, yes. You I love that. It's like I have the brains. <laughs> yeah, it's like pulsating. <laughs> You know, you've and, got uh, the body, and I've got yeah. the brain. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Mark, you're gonna you're gonna give me nightmares. <laughs> you've yeah. got I can't I can't find Freddy scary in this though because it's surrounded by so much goofiness. There um, is, no, there is a couple times where they use a fake Freddy head. It's supposed to be Freddy, but in it, his eyes are really red, and I, I just used that used to think that was so scary. He just yeah, looks so evil cool. here. And you guys know that they almost really screwed up by not getting Robert England because they didn't want to pay him what he was asking for. Yeah. And then I think they shot a few scenes and they were like, yeah. okay, just give him what he wants. Yeah. The shower scene it, wasn't Robert England. Yeah. It wasn't? I was wondering no. if... Uh, it was a was that like one of the first scenes they shot? Yeah, I guess so. I'm looking here. But I know uh, he... Yeah, yeah, whoever they had wasn't working out. 
Yeah, because I was looking, uh, and there was a um, a picture on IMDb of Freddie, and I was like, that does not look like Robin Eng- England at all. So it's probably the it's probably the the uh, stunt or the double or whoever the guy they f- went with to begin with. That's ridiculous. Pay the man. Yeah. <laughs> what else we really got? Bad. Are we going to talk else? about the greatest scene in the whole movie of well, of him dancing around? You kiss. And hug you, touch me. Oh, yes. That, <laughs> that was, and then what was that that he had? Was that a tennis racket? That he no, was like, those little, little popper. popper thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Little pop gun or something. That's funny. And his, yeah. uh, his sign on the door. What's his sign right, say? Uh, that, well, I think it originally said no out of town checks. Yeah. And the, made he got changed to an I. So it says no out of town chicks. Uh, <laughs> which every teenage boy who likes women is definitely going to put that on their door, obviously. Um, that is so funny. Chicks. Oh, man. Yeah. I, that's I, uh, kind of fun, though, because it's like the one scene where you kind of feel like you get to know Jesse a little bit. Yeah, but like, like right before that, that is when his father tells him to go unpack and he stomps up the stairs like a toddler. I wrote yeah, that, that in was my head. stupid. I laughed so hard. <laughs> That is. So say, I find him so obnoxious. <laughs> I'm gonna go up and and dance sexually in my room. <laughs> he was like closing the drawer with his butt. <laughs> yeah. He said that that was in the script. Oh yeah, I'm sure it was. That was one of his reasons for being mad at the writer. He's like, you literally wrote that I closed the drawer with my butt. <laughs> How is that not gay? Well, he's definitely uh, put his backside into it. That, uh, they don't put like a masculine song that he's dancing to or anything like that. So it's yeah, you know that you have so many people who made this film say they had no idea is absolute BS. Yeah, it's like the uh, uh, the Pointer Sisters or something playing. I don't know who it was, but it was it was ridiculous. That scene was ridiculous. I'm just gonna tell you. It's not about it. just. I, I don't know. There's so many scenes I just don't think work. You know, like when he falls asleep in class, yeah. and like somebody apparently puts a boa constrictor on him, and nobody, like the teacher, didn't see. No one notices. He screams. I'm not sure if it's supposed to be Grady that did it, but he gives him the finger. Um, I don't know. I, I did. I did like, however, uh, uh, he he gives them a little a little smile. You know, it's like he's not yeah. like being picked on because he's a geek or something. I, I remember the it, first it's something time I watched that, this. It's something that you would do to a friend. Yeah. I got so confused by he and Grady's relationship. Yeah. Like, I'm like, are they friends? Are they not? I have no idea what's going on with these two. They're I friends. the first time I watched it, when he goes to Grady's house, I was like really confused. They're frenemies. Yeah. yeah I mean... Sometimes you get guys that uh, bust on each other just, you know, all the time because that's just what you do to your guy friends. You, you insult them and whoever can, you know, insult your mother or, you know, play a practical joke. Yeah, but I, think, I, like, I get our, that. We got introduced as, to Jesse as that kid on the bus. And I think that's what I thought his social standing was. And then, like, after the snake, suddenly him and Grady seemed to be like football buddies or whatever. I think on the bus, how his hair is kind of slick. But I think it's because he's in the morning. He's going to school. His hair is wet. 
Like, I don't he's think... He's wearing, like, a crazy different outfit, too. Yeah. Uh, but he was know. not that level of nerd in real life, though. He, no, he's that's, why, be, that's why like, it's confusing. Yeah. I don't understand why they would put him, depict him that way. Was it just his greatest fear? I have no idea. Yeah. Because on the bus, like, those popular girls are making fun of him, and then it, it, it seems like in school he's, like, hanging out with the most popular kids. Yeah, maybe yeah. new kid fears. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. What else you got? Come on, guys. Come on, Tammy. You got to defend this bad boy. Um, It has the biggest body count out of all of them. <laughs> oh, it does? Yep. Is that because of the pool scene? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that scene. Oh, my God. I think I it's fun. Oh, he throws around lawn chair. This is what I mean. Like, you know, Robert Engel is not a big dude. <laughs> he like, he's not scary when you have, like, 30 teenagers. Like, half of them, like, teenage guys. That could easily take him down, you know. He's like, got even knives had, for fingers. He doesn't have a gun. Like they can throw things at him. They can like take him down. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> ridiculous, but I think him, it's you know fun. ride around. <laughs> and he yeah, starts like creating fire. <laughs> yeah. Right, like he'll throw someone down, and all of a sudden there's fire <laughs> burning, mm-hmm. like the bush that they just fell into. That's because he's from hell. Yes, he's from hell. What about that kid at the party? He's like, tell us what you want, all right? I'm here to help you. Credit's like, need to calm down. Help yourself, (laughs) Effer. I love how, like, the kids at the pool party, like, they wait for Lisa's parents to turn off the lights. And then all of a sudden they start playing loud music and, like, taking out the beers and everything. I'm like, that's, it doesn't mean that they're deaf because the lights went out. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, they can still hear. Um. I yeah. Mean, whatever. Whatever. They always it, portray it, parties it's like such that. Such a though, weird movie. Yeah. That's. I didn't even. I didn't even think about that. I think that's funny. And just Lisa, just go back to her. Like I love how he comes back to her house covered in blood. And you know he, <laughs> he's covered in blood, and he admits to killing Grady <laughs> and Snyder. And she still will not like accept what he's telling her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's no way this girl would still be trying to help Jesse. She would have run away. She's blinded by lust. <laughs> I mean, she probably saw, she did see him dancing around in his room. Oh. So and that, she saw his butt on the baseball field. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah I think it's weird how all of a sudden she's like in love with. I mean, they have a relationship, even though it kind of comes off more as like a friendship. But it seems like he's not interested at all in this relationship. She's just she's a beard. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The guys are like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they're I don't know. The chemistry wasn't there for me. And so at the end, when she's like, I love you. And she's like willing to kiss Freddie and stuff and chase him around to try and save Jesse, even when yeah. he's terrorizing the pool party and killing people. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it didn't seem like their relationship was that had progressed to that, you know, yeah, well, it, it, one sided yeah. it did, but not yeah. on Jesse's side. Yeah. Yeah. How, how many teenage guys do you think had Lamal posters in their room? I I had that exact poster. <laughs> yeah, I did. yeah, you did the never ending story theme. 
Grady, Grady had a poster of Lamal inside his uh, inside his bedroom. I did look um, uh, at the other one he had, King Cobra. I didn't know who that was. I had another. I had another one that he had. I can't think of what it was right now. Lamal, never ending story. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like Kajagoogoo Lamal, not Never Ending Story Lamal. Kajagoogoo. I like the Never Ending Story, but I would not be a teenage guy with a Lamal poster on my wall. Um, you are if you're a homosexual. Can you help me? Maybe. Can you help me understand what um, what the boy in the Never Ending Story, what, what was his mom's name? Moonchild. Moonchild? Yes. That's what he screams at the end. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I could never figure that out. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know. Have you oh. read the book? Uh, I did. I don't know if that's what it is in the book, but I know in the movie he's actually yelling Moonchild, I think. Okay. Uh, I'm glad you uh, uh, cleared that up for me. Yeah. Glad you guys got that out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen the Neverending Story? <laughs> what? Yeah. A hundred years okay. ago. Sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Right. What else you guys got? I don't got much much else to say about this movie. It's it doesn't feel like real cohesive. You know, no, it, it honestly feels like just a bunch of scenes. They're kind of strung together. Yeah, and some of them not really connected to the overall narrative. I said yeah. stra- strange, unflowing narrative. Yes, yeah, it would absolutely. be nice if they kind of like explain some of what they were going for. Um, and that's not always the case, but I think in this, especially since they're kind of breaking away from the first movie that it would have been nice if they kind of had more of a background like explanation of what they're trying to achieve. I will say this. I do like the beginning and the end, uh, the bus sequences. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what I, I enjoy that. That's one of the things that I remember most about this movie is the beginning with the bus and being out on the, I don't know where they were, um, but I guess they have deserts in, isn't this supposed to be Ohio? Yeah. Didn't, it's supposed to be in Ohio. Yeah. Ohio. And by the way, in the first one, Johnny Depp and, uh, Heather Langenkamp were on a bridge and there were palm trees. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. I was like, okay, this is Ohio. What's going on? Um, <laughs> but I like these, those, uh, bookend bus sequences. Uh, I like the fact that Robert England is driving the bus without his mm-hmm. makeup, you know, mm-hmm. if you catch that. I and did. I love the, I love the end where, um, their friend, uh, the, the girl you said was hot. I don't remember her name in the movie where I she gets Freddie's hand comes through her chest. Yeah. That, that I, I don't think that movie, I don't think that scene is done. well. <laughs> her delivery is so weird. Be right before that, that thing comes out of her chest. She's like, don't worry, it's okay. <laughs> and then the hand pops out, and she just has like this, like mildly surprised look on her, not like <laughs> something just ripped through her body. Um, yeah. Mildly surprised. It's a dream. <laughs> Lordy, what is yeah, that? Wow. It was fun. <laughs> no, it was it was fun. I, I enjoyed that, and I actually, I'm not saying they were greatly done but I, I liked the dogs with the the baby face the doll it, it face it reminds me of um invasion of the body snatchers yeah it, they it, like, it was, like it it was they literally weird didn't do anything though right like didn't she know they don't even stop her she just walks by them i think they were just kind of like guardians or something but uh, i don't I, know i remember they didn't guard anything yeah they well just, 
<laughs> yeah, like she just I, walks. I remember them. laughing the first time I saw that. I thought they were creepy. I think when I was younger, they creeped me out, but this time I was laughing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, don't no, I mean, think I can so. Say that whole last 15 minutes, I just couldn't care. <laughs> you didn't care. Uh, okay. No. Yeah, yeah, once it got all like lovey dovey, weird drama, yeah. kissy. I, I didn't care about Jesse back at that point. <laughs> I didn't like yeah. that she uh, Frenched Freddy. That was good stuff. Would you do that for the person you loved? Would you, would you, Freddy? I mean, if I do them for more than like two days and I actually love them, then yeah. <laughs> And they loved me back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. <clears throat> Let's go ahead. If if you know one else has anything, because I've got nothing else. I got nothing else for this one. No, Tammy's gonna give it a ten. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, honestly, I'll say this. You're real Jesse, Ben. Oh yes. I will say this. I'm gonna stamp away. Like this is not a great movie, <laughs> in my opinion. I was still entertained. Yeah, I was still entertained. I was like, "This is not so bad that I'm gonna shut it off." It it's definitely pales in comparison to the first one, but it, if it's on in the background or whatever, I got no problem with it. But um, yeah, so let's go ahead and rate it. I'm gonna let uh, Jessica rate it first. Alrighty. So <clears throat> I uh, noted that while the story doesn't quite make sense and the sequence of events is never really explained, I still like the concept behind the movie. Um, and I did like the special effects for the most part. Um, and the progression of Freddy's look was creepy and it had some thought behind it. So I appreciated that. Um, love the body gore. That's my favorite thing. Uh, the music was still good. It was a different composer, but I still liked it. Um, I still like the directing style, too. I mean, this guy's not Wes Craven, obviously, but I still thought the directing choices were, you know, good. Like, the editing's not great, the way things are cut, but I think it's more has to do with the storyline and things not being explained properly. Um but overall, it's like you said, I found it entertaining. I was even rewatching it again today just because, um, just to see if there were like some extra things I can note. And I was still having fun with it. So I think it's fun. I think it's kind of cool to see Freddie out of place at a pool party and stuff like that, just because, you know, why not? <laughs> I guess because I don't take this installment as seriously, it's not going to bother me as much, if you know what I mean. Um, but on the flip side of that, Freddie is also still creepier in this movie than he becomes. Um, and I do appreciate that. So overall, I'm giving it a six out of 10. Okay. And I just, Tammy's face. you just, you just said something that I didn't even realize. Did they use that theme music? That same theme music that I love so much in the first one. Did they use that at all in this one? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think because they, I know they, they go I mean, back to variation it. of it, but not the same. Yeah. And I, I know that they did something where they put like whales singing, like overlaid on top of it or something to kind of make it creepy. Well, I read that. What. I didn't notice it in the movie, but I read that. I'll tell you what they get docked a point just for that. <laughs> um, Vin. <laughs> um, another like that I have, uh, I do like the uh, credit song of Bing Crosby singing 
you know, did you ever see a dream walking? Uh, <laughs> I think it's a, a perfect ending. A yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's a perfect uh, end credit song to a, a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. And uh, my grandfather had the exact same couch as Jesse's family did. Um, oh, the everybody had the that couch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the wood, uh, the wood armrests. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so that was certainly fun to see. And I don't know if we mentioned that Bob Shea was the bartender at the uh, gay bar. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. In, in his leather, yeah, in his leather and everything else. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah, uh, you know, I I wish that I enjoyed this one more. Um, the entertainment I find out of it is really you know, in terms of kind of like the gay text, <laughs> I find that stuff interesting to kind of talk about and to look at, but um, I just never really liked the film uh, overall. And Jesse always irritated me. Um, I like Freddie's look, but I, I just can't take the character seriously because of the other stuff going on in the movie um, that just doesn't jive with me. So I'm a little bit lower than Jessica. I'm at a 5.5. Um, so this is not one that I really have to return to again. All right. Taminator. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, well, you know, I can only go up from the 9.5. I'm giving this one a 10. And no, I'm, you are not. Yes, I am. <laughs> this one had <laughs> such... this a 10. Shut your face. This one had such good watchability to me. And yes, I know all those things are wrong with it, and I don't even care. You're about to see me fall off drastically when we get the Freddie doing his comedy routine here in the next couple ones. So <laughs> yeah, that's wow. that. I, I, no, no, <laughs> I, am, I am actually speechless. <laughs> you just gave Freddie's revenge a 10 out of 10. I do not. You have made podcasting history. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's my role here. I got to be the one, but. You know what? If you guys like it, I don't. If I like it, you guys don't. That's why you keep me around. I thought this was just entertaining from beginning to end. Yeah. I mean, I will agree with you. Like I said, like it's a gr- I don't think it's a great movie, but I was entertained. I was entertained. Uh, I, I liked I liked Jesse. I liked the special effects. Yep, yep, uh, yep, yep, yep. You know, I don't think it was real cohesive, and it was kind of like nope. not really <laughs> explained very well. So I, I, I give it a six and a half out of 10 um it just to me i can't help but compare it to the first one you know and, and i know i love the first one 10 out of 10 I, I just it just fell fell flatter uh for me um just following up the first one so yeah but it it, it was it was a valiant effort I, they are two separate movies existing side by side to me. They're they're not comparable. They're two different things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Sweet lordy. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Love yep. it. I love it. All right. So that's going to do it for our reviews of A Nightmare on Elm Street and A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge. Uh, next week, it'll be what? Uh, I don't know if we'll, well next week are we taking a week off because of Christmas? I don't know. No, don't, we weren't gonna. I don't know what we're. Hopefully, we'll be back um, next week. But it'll be uh, Dream Warriors, which is part three and part four. Which what's it called again? The Dream Master. The Dream Master. Okay, so then we're really getting into wise cracking Freddy. 
So we'll see how it goes. Yes. Hey, I think you've you've seen Dream Warriors, right? Is that three? Yes. Yeah, that's the last one I saw that yeah. I remember. Yeah. I think you'll have fun with that one. Even even though even though wisecracking Freddy really starts. Is that there. the one with the, the Arquette girl and the TV and the mental Yep. Okay, yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. I, no. It's already got a three. Oh my gosh. Wow. Gonna... But you're gonna rewatch it. I am. You, I you am. Eyeball. I'm going into it though with the mindset that this thing is a three. No, don't do that. Do not do that. Go into it with a mindset wow. of nothing. Wow. I promise. You just I will gave. Try. You just gave part two a ten out of ten, and you're already bad mouthing Dream Warriors. I do not like humor listeners. With my horror, especially listeners. when it's stupid humor that isn't even funny. It's just listeners, stupid. We have to apologize. The opinions expressed uh, by Tammy in this episode were not were not in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I think she might. I think she might be drunk. Actually, Uh, are you drunk? This is sparkling water. See, yeah, sparkling vodka. Anyway, (laughs) I'm just kidding. I don't drink, so see black. Blackberry yes. sparkling water. Blackberry. All right. All right. Well, let's tell everybody where they can find us on the internet because Vin's tired. Oh, <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> Vin, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, he felt uh, on Facebook. I'm Vin Horrorcast. Uh, uh, the horror blog is uh, therevenantreview.com, and on YouTube, it is Revenant Reads. Great. Taminator, for all those people that want to write you a nasty note. Well, apparently you can find me in the unemployment line now, but um, <laughs> that, <laughs> there's an open spot at the horror camp. <laughs> no, um, we'll, we'll, never, we'll never kick you off. We'll just make fun of you. That's okay. <laughs> I don't care. Um, just the usual on Facebook is Taminator, 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 <laughs> <laughs> or else on our group page. <laughs> Very nice. Tammy, get a Twitter account. I guarantee you. You heard Mark. Nobody's gonna follow me. So what? I guarantee you. At Taminator, Tammy Turner is is available. So, <laughs> all right, Jessica. On Facebook, I'm Jessica Schmidt. On Instagram, I'm Amateur Destroyer. On Twitter, I'm at Amateur Destroya. And on Letterboxd, I'm Ashy underscore Slashy. Nice. All right. I'm going to keep saying it, even though we don't get much but uh, spam emails anymore. And, like, directors who are trying to get money for their uh, projects. <laughs> but if you want to email us, you can do so at Ask the Horrorcast, right? Ask the Horrorcast at gmail.com. Yes. You can follow us on Twitter at the HCast and on Instagram at the Horrorcast. So there you go. That's going to do it for the first in our episodes of uh, A Nightmare Before Christmas. I apologize that the second one and the third one will be A Nightmare After Christmas, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, so let us know uh, what you think on our uh, pages, on online uh, Facebook group page is a great place to interact with us and talk to us about uh, the movies that we're watching and, and all of that. So, all right, there you go. 
So let's uh, let's get out of here. What do you say? I'm done. I'm yeah, done. I'm ready to go, go to bed. And hopefully, not have anymore. a Freddy Krueger uh, attack me in my dreams. All right, so that's going to do it for this episode of the Horror Cast, where it's all killer, no filler. Stay scared. <laughs>